What's up, everybody? This is AJ Kirsch, and you're listening to Wrestling POV Global. Hey, wrestling fans, welcome to another edition of WPOV Global. Tonight is our Wayne Gretzky edition. That's right. Why do I say that? Has nothing to do with hockey. It's because it's our 99th show tonight. Ooh. Ooh. You know, the scary part about this is out of the one out of the last 99 shows, I've only missed one. So wow. Yeah. So, anyways, I'm your host, the legend T James Logan. With me, my co-host, the gentleman Elio Canella. Our guest, uh, uh, commentator for tonight the, the man of wolf. many words <laughs> tonight he's the man of many words the lone wolf andy anderson who will be lonely if he keeps talking more eh, you we'll made see. two friends with us you started talking yeah i know that. people tell me i should smile more and i'll make more friends so maybe i gotta stop smiling i don't know i don't know but if you ever want to go like go the route of the good i say we put some sparkle and glitter on you and make you a troll because i watched that <laughs> troll movie quite a few times <laughs> And I mean my troll in a good way, in a good did my, troll. Did my daughters talk to you? My son, I've taken him to the trolls a couple times. The only thing that gets me, have you seen the movie, the, the new Trolls World Tour? I, I saw it as soon as it came out in theaters. Like whenever, if it came out before COVID or whatever, like right before yeah. COVID started, I like opening weekend, I saw it with my daughters. And, and I bet you, so if fun. you remember none of it, you do remember one thing. Oh, I remember a lot of it. Okay. The best part of that whole movie, when the techno trolls, do that one more time. <laughs> no, the best part is when they're like, he's going to drop the beat. He's going to drop the beat. Drop the beat. <laughs> they're all you, know, out. you know what? As far as kids movies go, that one wasn't too bad, actually. That was I, pretty good. That was pretty good. Yeah. Uh, yes, folks, we are going to get into <laughs> wrestling. But uh, uh, you know what? I'm going to bring this up now, Andy, because you watch kids movies. Uh, have you noticed this? Okay, that whole joke about uh, dropping the beat. Okay. Yes. This is a reoccurring joke right now that's happening in kids' movies where kids probably don't get it. And I'm pretty sure it's just aimed at adults because there's no reason, no way your daughters understood what the hell the whole drop the beat was about. I'm not even um, sure I know it was drop the beat. <laughs> but if, have you seen Dora, the new Dora movie, the live action Dora movie? Uh, I, has there been more than one? No, just one live action Dora movie. Okay, then I, I I saw it recently. Then yes. Okay, and that's it's a great kids movie. My my yes. five year old boy, he's seen it like he loves it so much. But yeah. there is so many jokes in there for adults. Like it is, you watch it, and there's a lot of jokes. That, and the best part is that's when I noticed this is when uh, Dora's parents take her aside and they're going to explain a talk to her. And you're thinking, is this going to be like a sex talk, a conversation? Right? And instead, it's a talk about techno. And he starts going, and then they're going to drop the beat. And then and then you think he's going to do it. And he's going to, no, he doesn't do it. <laughs> so I think the techno has become the big joke that they're interweaving into these uh, kids' things to make to make parents laugh. Because it made me laugh pretty hard, too. So. Fair enough. Well, I, th- I know, I know all, there's always been a lot of uh, multiple levels of humor in, in kids' movies. And that's... You know, even going back and watching movies like from when we were kids and like, you're like, oh, you know, you kind of pick up on things at a different level. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. So. My, my all time, I'm going to, before we get into the rest, my all time favorite joke in a kid's show, which some people may debate is not a kid's show, but The Simpsons, which definitely is watched by kids and adults. Yeah. But probably the most insidious joke, well, I guess there would be two, the two most insidious jokes set in there that definitely were not for kids were one of the Halloween episodes where they were doing Kong Island. And uh, uh, they were going to take a, a march on on this journey, 
and uh, Smithers turns around and says, I've always said women and semen don't mix. Which, <laughs> <laughs> which was that. But per, 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 the most insidious inside joke ever is the one where um, um, Bart was down at the boardwalk uh, playing three card Monty, ripping people off. And uh, Flanders sees Homer and says, so is uh, Bart still down at the boardwalk turning tricks? <laughs> nice. yeah <laughs> that's multi-layered stuff yeah that's multi-layered stuff speaking now, of multi-layered let's get back to professional wrestling pro- professional oh, that's what we're here for professional wrestling that's right folks you know what we're going to start off with our usual hot topic this week first of all you know i didn't even ask you elio did you have a good week we're busy so talking about cartoons had a great week yep yeah and, and lots of wrestling again we're yeah again like crazy <laughs> But not as crazy as last week. No, no, it's been a little bit less. Andy, how about you? You have a good week, brother? Uh, Plugging along. That's that's my general response stuff, plugging along. I got to tell you, we had one heck of a great episode on quarantine the other day. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. And I'm I'm looking forward to next week's. If things pan together, we will have a very interesting uh, panel to look at the families. Yes. Very diverse cast of characters uh, joining us. Very much. Now let's get into uh, our question of the week, our hot topic. And let's face it, tonight we saw, well, next week will be the official one-year anniversary of AEW. So you could kind of look at today up to now would be the end of the one year of AEW's debut. And uh, we're going to look at the best and the worst things that we thought came out of uh, year one. Okay. Um, first of all, I'm going to ask each of you, if you had to grade AEW on our AR report card, our A, B, C, D, and F, what would you give, uh, in your heart, what would you give AEW this year? Taking whatever criteria you want and explain why you've given it. And I'll throw it off to the lone wolf first. Andy, what would you have rated this year's AEW and why? Uh now, just just as a disclaimer here, like for a lot of this, for people that are watching, I'd say this show, this show comes in relatively unprepared. So like this is just you asking me like right yeah. now. So what I'm coming in with is right off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to say a B. Mm. And why would you pick B as uh, opposed to an A or a C? I don't. To me, and maybe just because I'm old and jaded and curmudgeonly as we so often discuss when uh, I'm on these shows, but um to me, it didn't. It, it wasn't a knock it out of the park first year. Mm-hmm. Um, there was there's a lot of positives, and you know, that's the the B rating. There's some things that uh, I mean, mm-hmm. and, and part of it, you know, could be booking. Part of it is, again, the way I, you know, kind of more of an older school mentality. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether you like it or not, but this is how I watch it. And as I watch it in part as someone that's been in the business for you know nearly 23, 24 years, but also I still try to watch it as a fan because I don't get to watch as much wrestling uh, as you guys or as mm-hmm. I used to. So I don't know a lot of people that come in. Mm-hmm. And so when I see them for the first time, that's like, you know, I it's like, yeah. exactly, exactly. It's not like, oh, I know so-and-so from the independence or, the, right. you know, I know every single person and da 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 Um I, yeah, no, you know what? I, just just to be overall, it was uh, a good first year. I, mm-hmm. I I enjoy tuning in. The fact that I've started doing this with you guys uh, makes me pay a little more attention to the show rather than simply having it as background noise. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, no, that's that's what I got for a B. Okay, Elio, 
What would you say uh, overall grade for this year? And yeah. Don't worry, we're going to get into our best <laughs> and worst of the year too. But yeah, I'm going to go with the B as well. Like uh, it, there were some good and some bad. Um, there were a couple of weeks where I'm sitting there and I'm literally falling asleep as uh, because uh, the show was so slow moving. Mm-hmm. But overall, uh, for me, it was to be because, yeah, there were some good, some bad uh, Jurassic Express. Well, <laughs> <laughs> our favorite AEW topic. No, Luchasaurus. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> yes. And what a di- what a dichotomy here. I mean, you have we were so high in Jungle Boy and so low on his partner. <laughs> <Right. laughs> we'll get into that, folks. We'll get into. No, that. we're so high on Luchasaurus, and then and. No, you're high on Luchasaurus because you've been smoking. No, I think That's you're terrible. high on Luchasaurus. You're the one that shares the same birthday with him. You're five foot two. He's high on you. <laughs> I'm five <foot> three. <laughs> Anyhow, you know what, folks? Um, I'm going to agree with these guys. It has to be a B this year. Uh, first of all, yes, there were a lot of missteps. There were lots of times uh, there were people throwing at us and to- we were told they were stars without knowing who they are. Um there were some missteps. There were lots of times where you just kind of went, what the hell did I just see? Uh, but they also ran with WWE in their yes. first year. And they had times where I actually chose watching their show over the NXT product. And NXT is a damn good show. I mean, before this whole NXT war started, I watched NXT faithfully every night it came on, you know, when I, when it first came out. Now... Uh, not just because I have to cover AEW, but there are times that AEW has been better. And sure, it lost out in our whole year war a bit. What was the this final score was something like, I mean, there's twice as many NXT wins. It was something like 31 to 14 or 15 or something like that. But, but uh, AEW ran with the big boys. Yeah. You know, it's not like they only had one good show and the rest was an avalanche. They did some good stuff this year. And we're going to discuss some of the stuff that was good and some of this bad and what we think might be the upcoming for the year for it. What's going to make it better? What will change? Will it change? But before we get too deep into that, let's look at what, what uh, some of you fans had to say when we threw out the question on our Facebook page about uh, the year one. Let's take a look here. Of course, we have to look. Uh, Rick Serrano III said the best AEW Dynamite brought, and I don't give him enough credit, is the number one ranked wrestler in the world, and that's John Moxley. Now, anything that these guys are going to say, I say we answer in our own time. Okay, we won't just jump in on people's comments. Yeah. Well, if you think John Moxley is number one, yeah. If you think this is over, whatever, we'll get to that. Um, I feel without him, AWA wouldn't be where it is. Yeah, AEW. AEW. <laughs> nice Freudian slip. I know. Where's my first heart, eh? All right. Yeah. Um, I feel without him, AEW can be where it is today. You want to cheer for him, and it's not forced like with Cody. The worst AEW brought was, and this is a toss-up between the cringy gimmicks of Luchasaurus and Orange Cassidy and the women's division. I think the slight edge goes to the women's division. Aside from Sheeta, there seems to be no stars, and calling Sheeta a star is a stretch. But overall, AEW didn't AEW didn't disappoint for year one. Hopefully, they got all the WWE jabs out and can focus on themselves and the women's division. Okay, there's some shit I'm going to argue about in that. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Vince Steele said, the best part is there's something else to watch. Damn straight. To me, the worst is the Bucks and Omega putting themselves in a bad position in storyline. They should be on top. They killed their momentum. 
Mm, we're going to talk about that too. Um, we also have Josh Sanders. My favorite was Cody and Dustin battling, and the worst of them is putting the belt on Jericho when he looked terrible and out of shape. Boy, we I think we have a lot to talk about here. There is, this is a lot of back and forth uh, opinions. Um, I'm just sorry, guys. Good old Facebook has uh, decided that uh, it'll tell me only relevant things, so I have to just hit to get all the comments. All right. Kenny Castanova said, Jericho versus Moxley was great. Uh, Cody getting the TNT belt was booty. Now, the problem is, I don't know if booty is good or bad. Being good Canadian boys, we're not sure. Is booty good or bad? Well, that, that was like a New Day thing, wasn't it? <laughs> booty well, but yeah, but they, they had a thing like, and if you're not, if you're, if you're not this and this, that's booty. I think it's oh, bad. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> okay. Bad. We'll assume yeah. it's bad. Uh, uh, ooh, who's this guy? This this arrogant Andy Lewis guy saying, "You'll." Oh, wait a sec. We'll skip that one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Never heard of him. Never heard of him. Clay Cummings said to me, "AEW made a big, big impact on pro wrestling. Not anywhere near WWE, but definitely made an impact." Moxley and Jericho have really shined this last year. Other superstars like Adam Page and Kenny Omega have shown up out and have shown other fans they don't follow indie they don't fall indie scenes what they can do. What? That they don't fall indie scenes what they can do. And that is awesome for AW. Okay, so I'm guessing that maybe if the, they don't if they don't follow the indie scenes, this is kind of yeah, maybe that maybe it just corrected on him. Yeah. Uh, the bad is the fact that Cody, the Young Bucks. And Omega always put themselves over, and that's exactly what. Well, I'm gonna have to really disagree with that, but okay. Yeah. I get it that they want to be at the top, but you can be amazing show if you lose once in a while. Overall, I think it was a good year for AW first year. Hopefully, it gets better for the second. Um, all right, let's 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 uh, let's get into each of our things. Um, I'm gonna say what was. We'll go for the, the the two best things you found of the year in AEW. We'll go into the two worst things, and then we'll talk a tiny bit about some of these comments if we disagree with some of the things we've heard here. Um, we'll start off with you, Elio. What were the two best things that you saw coming out this year of AEW? Okay, I see. Uh, one is uh, John Moxley. Okay. Uh, second was actually uh, the, the Revolution uh, pay-per-view they had wasn't uh, all that bad. Okay. So we had a very strong pay-per-view and John Moxley was, was two very big shining lights for you. And uh, okay. the two worst, mm -hmm. Nightmare Collective and the Dark Order. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Okay, Andy, the two best things that came out this year for you. All right, well, as, as a worker, as one of the boys, I think uh, you know one of the top things is it provided a new platform somewhere else besides WWE that was a major platform, major television, uh, you know, the bright lights, an opportunity for the guys and the gals to work and to get notice. So I think for me, that's very important because, you know, it's these days when it's just pretty much, you know, or before them when it was pretty much just WWE, at least in North America, at least it gave us something else, uh, an alternative and others more to work. Uh, the second, the second one, I want to say is from another more, maybe more of a background behind the stage thing, but where it sounds like it's 
and this is going to be a best thing and a worst thing, but uh, in some cases where the the guys and the gals have a lot more input into angles, uh, a lot more freedom into promos from everything that I understand. I mean, I'm not backstage, so I can't say that you know firsthand, but from everything I've read, uh, I really, really appreciate that kind of freedom. And having said that, like I said, there's, you know what, and then uh, at the same time, maybe I'll use that as one of my worst was that maybe that as far as the promos go, that could be a really good thing. But as far as booking angles and storylines, maybe I'm not sure. Maybe that maybe that's not the best thing for them. Mm-hmm. Um, the second thing, and I'm going to kind of go general on this just because, I mean, Elio kind of talked about, uh, you know, like the collective and the dark order. Um to me, it ex- and maybe this is a maybe this is from having watched WWE and just WWE being WWE. But uh, to me, there's not a lot of clear cut grade A stars, mm-hmm. and it's year one. I mean, and there you know you got some established guys. There's a lot of new guys, but I think that's you know, and, and even right now, it, even with with WWE. To me, like, and I think not having a crowd there uh, has a lot to do with it. So I'm not saying that, you know, you look over at WWE right now and it's all top notch, you know, like 20 years ago with like Rock, Austin, you know, Shawn Michaels, so on and so forth. But uh, I think it kind of shows the, the the lack of star power. Okay with that okay just just in the just in the sense sorry just one last thought just in the sense yeah. that um you know it, it, it and then maybe we'll kind of touch on this i mean and actually this is kind of even like one of my points to uh, our other topic with like the usos and the young bucks like outside mm-hmm. of of like like dedicated serious wrestling fans you know like most of them probably won't know aew still mm-hmm. and to go through it's like okay well if you're listing off people outside of chris jericho um you know, like, and if people, I mean, even to say John Moxley, well, like, a casual fan over the past five, ten years would probably know Dean Ambrose more than John Moxley. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of my my thing there. So that's okay. that's what I got to say about that. Um, I'm going to say the two best things that came out this year. Uh, I have to go with John Moxley. I mean, I'm not the biggest fan of his, and I do have problems with some of the stuff he does. But I think as a world champion, he's really, I feel he gives the star power that they need for the show. I think currently right now, there really is nobody else that can hold themselves believable. I mean, you started off with Chris Jericho, who was definitely that pull-in. He was the guy who WWE fans were like, oh, Chris Jericho's there? And took a look. But let's face it, at his age, um, we don't want to be mean, but at his shape and and his look, uh, he's not exactly what you'd look at and say, that's our world champion. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, John Moxley managed to parlay... Uh, himself into being uh, a credible star now. And I mean, at first, a lot of people went, oh, they're just giving it to him because he's the WWE guy. Nobody remembers Dean Ambrose, blah, 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 blah. But I do believe he has a a charisma to him because I do even remember in The Shield, when The Shield first started, you know, in the beginning, I would have swore it would have been Dean Ambrose, not... um, Roman Reigns, Reigns, who was going to break out because Dean just seemed to have a little more character to him that way he carried himself, you know? 
So that has been good. Um, another uh, really big positive I'm going to say is um, I'm going to say Cody Rhodes only for the opportunity is I had my doubts about Cody Rhodes quite a bit. Okay. I was never really, I just remember him as stardust and, and the guy with the mask and the handsome crap that was so B-level junk that uh, having him thrust into the main thing, I had my worries about it. Like, okay, I get he has his dad's name, but come on, man. When we talk about families in quarantine next week, there are a hell of a lot of guys who, uh, superstars who had sons that gone nowhere. Yeah. You know, your name doesn't always carry you. And uh, I think he's, he's built himself up to be a credible wrestler. I don't like how he thinks he has to to bleed constantly and and yeah. uh, do all this junk to prove like he's his father. Which he, you know, I want him to to be his own man. Uh, but he's been a good bright spot because, like I said, I had my doubts about him in the beginning, and he's made himself a credible top of the card guy for me. Uh, worst things? Well, we could we could talk about uh, the Nightmare Collective, but I mean that was such a bad joke that lasted. <laughs> Two minutes. You know, very quick. Yeah, it was gone. And as much as as much as the dark odor uh, really annoys me, they've made themselves at least somewhat of a faction. Not a great faction, but they're there in some aspect. Um, I think though the problem is a lot of the ways they've introduced big new names. Um, they've either given them the route like Brian Cage or Lance Archer, where they brought them in, made them look like they're going to be superstars right away sent them automatically against Moxley, fed him in and just spit him out. You know, it was almost like WWE giving John Cena every new NXT star to destroy. You know, it it was sad. It made you think, you, you know, wow. You know, yeah. that I found very disappointing. Um, I found the booking in the women's division disappointing uh, because in the beginning they had a heck of a lot of good stars and they went strange routes, you know. Um, I, we've, we've talked before, we felt that Nyla Rose was basically given the, the belt because of, of, of who and what she represented, not necessarily anything to do with her talent or her, her accomplishments. You know, it was like, oh, we're inclusive. So look at this, yeah. which in itself is kind of the opposite of inclusion. <laughs> when you're putting the spotlight on somebody only because they're a certain way, kind of the opposite of what you were trying to do there. Um, and in the in the end, the women's division suffered badly, I think. Uh, you can look at it as, I guess, a form of nepotism. I mean, they had, the, what was the first uh, the first champion, that tiny little girl, Riho? Riho, was Riho. that her yeah. name? Riho. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so every week you watch this extremely tiny girl who can, she can move around, but she's so unbelievable with her matches and you wonder why she's a champion. But then you realize she's Kenny Omega's girlfriend and he's booking the division. And that just kind of makes you go, oh, you know. Um, so the women's division has been a disappointment. I how I will, however, take Rick Serrano to task by saying I think Hikaru Shida is a superstar in that women's division. She came out of relative obscurity and built herself into, I would say she's one of the top women wrestlers in the world. And I'd put her in there with just about any WWE wrestler right now. She's really earned her stripes. But let's get into this now. Let's talk about some of these comments that were made and see our opinions about this, okay? Uh, first of all, um, people have their problem with Cody. I've said my piece about Cody. Andy, what's your piece about Cody? Uh, I think I'm going to go more along the lines of you, and I think for some of what you were what you were reading there, and I think 
judging by your your facial uh, expressions, mm-hmm. to me, you know, aside from the the, the TNT title, uh, to me, guys like uh, Cody and Kenny and, and the Young Bucks were trying to get other people over more than mm-hmm. trying to put themselves over. I, I, I seem to remember them losing a lot more matches uh, mm-hmm. than, than winning. Um, with Cody, that was one thing, though, I thought, uh, you know, and as we talked to the point of guys like Lance Archer, Brian Cage, they would build up. Um, I thought Lance Archer maybe, and, and I'm not even the biggest Lance Archer fan, but mm-hmm. I thought he should have won the TNT title. I didn't mm-hmm. think Cody needed it. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, it, it's... I see Cody trying to to give back, trying to help create, trying to build. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't see him, and, and 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 to do that, I think to a certain level, you have to, you know, you do have to have some victories. You do have to have that credibility established mm-hmm. there, and not just from, oh, he's a WWE guy. This is okay. This is AEW Cody Rhodes, yeah. but uh, I don't think he was doing it to the extent that um, he's putting himself. Yeah, we're above above all above everything else. Well, if you look back at uh, those first uh, quite a few handfuls of pay per views, you'll notice that uh, Cody has lost like eighty percent of those main events. Yeah, you know. Um, and there's another thing we should probably tackle this issue so fans understand this. Okay, there's this whole misconception, and you know, it, it's even coming from Rick Serrano that uh, the Young Bucks. Um, Kenny Omega, Adam Page, Cody, they put themselves over, okay? Uh, It's all about them. They show up every week. Uh, Why can't they go a week without them? Well, let's face it, guys. This is a whole new company. And except for those guys, just about anyone else on the roster is unknown to the average wrestling fan. And if you turn on your TV and you're checking out AEW for the first time and there's no Young Bucks, Omega, Page, uh, Chris Jericho, or uh, Cody you're probably not going to keep watching it if there's something else of stars, you know, on NXT, because all these other guys, as talented as they may be, they're unknowns. This is their first year. They're building it. So you had to, even if they, and they did lose, even the young bucks, I mean, they lost a hell of a lot of matches. Yeah. You know, um, Kenny Omega and Adam page lost a lot till they won the belts, you know, like, and they, and on their singles, they lost quite a bit. The thing is, um, yes, they, they're a small company. They're not like WWE. If we look at their rosters, the AEW roster is probably one fifth, maybe even one sixth or one seventh the size of how many wrestlers there are in the WWE. Okay. And the WWE guys have worldwide attention for years now. And there's guys, you have so many guys that people know like Randy Orton, blah, blah, blah. If you're a wrestling fan, you know, these guys like that. So unfortunately, even if you're losing, you have to play the guys, you know, and with COVID going on, it's not like they could bring in a lot of guys either. So they yes. had to keep bringing in the same guys. And so you think, oh, Cody's uh, booking himself again this week. Well, he has no choice. If you want this thing to work, he has to build the stars. And the Young Bucks have to build the teams. They have to build the guys so that in year two or three, we know who these guys are. We're starting to learn who the best friends are. We're starting to understand what the Dark Order is about. But you just can't have that off the hop. That's one thing I've always wanted to tackle is that thing of them putting themselves over. They don't. Uh, you watch their stuff. They lose more than they win. They make the, guy, They put the shine on guys. And, and, and I think this is something, too, that for, you know, for both WWE and, and AEW, 
the COVID thing was really tough. Like that's you, you had a small core of guys. It was the same thing, you know, especially those, those first couple months with COVID you watch raw and it was, you know, there was a reason why they were pushing, you know, Angel Garza, Andrade, <laughs> You know, and I noticed respect them and, 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 and because there was only like a handful of guys that seemed like you know if they were the ones that were in the area or that were there, yeah. those are the ones that you were focusing on, and that was that, that's why there wasn't a whole big list of challengers for Drew McIntyre. So the same thing here, you only have so many guys, and okay, they're running in Florida, then they're running in Georgia. Well, they can't run in Georgia anymore, so they got to try and tape a whole bunch of stuff. Well, if you're going to tape four or five worth four or five weeks worth of TV and you only have so much talent on hand, you have to use that talent. So for the next four or five episodes that you're going to see that core group of people. And let's face it. There are even a few people that this really boosted up. You brought up like uh Korea, uh, sorry, Angel Garza and that if it hadn't been for COVID, I don't think those guys would have gotten anywhere. The amount nope, of look at probably not. And all on this roster, uh, the best friends, they were one of the few tag teams that was around and they, they fought almost every week, yep. you know, and they built themselves from going from this horrible gimmick to like, these guys are actually not a bad team, you know? And uh, so th there's that to tackle. Um, let's, let's see um, the women's division. I think the women's division got decimated for the fact of uh, except for Sheeta who managed to stay in the United States, a lot of their main women competitors were foreign wrestlers you know, that could not get back into the country. And yeah. then you had um, injuries to some of the talk. Chris Statlander, she's out still. Um, so all of a sudden you've lost your two, you know, uh, what was her name? Shanna from Portugal. Shanna. She, yeah, she yeah. was awesome, could not get back into the country. Even Britt Brit Baker, same Brit thing. Britt Baker took an injury right off the bat. Yeah, so, you, you know, and then you're dealing with a lot of, unfortunately, untested women, you know? Uh, they just got lucky about Sheeta. Here was a Japanese girl who has a ton of wrestling experience, but was never put into the limelight. This was her chance, and man, she ran with the ball. Um, I think I, when they first gave her this belt, dude, I was so like, oh, what, is this a good <laughs> idea? I don't really know dick about this chick, and I know a lot about wrestling, you know? Um, but she has, just watching her every week wrestle, she's really showing that she has what it takes to run with just about any any women's wrestler out there. So they got lucky there, but a lot of the division they've had to deal with wasn't the greatest division, man. There were so many holes in it. And uh, I can think when the COVID thing starts laxing up, maybe it'll get better. I mean, we've gotten some new girls signed. Uh, definitely Serena Deeb. That I think yeah. that's a, that's a great signing. Um, the, the chicken, the, the new order. Now they're starting to give her. A and and the J. Anna J. Uh, Taya Conte. Uh, coming yep. over from you know these are some wrestlers that hopefully will give us some new injection new into that yep. new blood which they definitely need um let's talk about chris jericho a lot of people want to dump on chris jericho uh andy why don't you start off with chris jericho uh i am one of the people that will not dump on chris jericho uh i've been a chris jericho fan for a long long time uh you know so part of that what I maybe my different uh, bit of a different thought process on Jericho was uh, I was very happy that he was the first champion. I thought it totally made sense, kind of like as you alluded to about about the poll, uh, that level of stardom, that level of recognition uh, to continue on to that. I will probably be in the minority here, judging by a lot of the comments and thoughts. I am not the biggest uh, Moxley guy. Mm -hmm. No problem. Um, and so to me, 
I, I would have preferred to have kept the belt on Jericho. Mm-hmm. Uh, as we've talked about in the last episode about giving people the rep, I think as a champion and, you know, if he had like running some programs with people and still retaining his title, I think he could have given more of an established legitimate rub that way than mm-hmm. just having pineapple Pete in a match kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. Um, early on, if I recall, I think when he was, with, when he first kind of got on with where when he first joined AEW and, and uh, kind of got going, he was in better shape than he is now. Mm-hmm. Um, I could be wrong, but I want to say that like to like to me, like it seems like in, in the past couple of months, he seems to have like kind of let himself go a bit. Whereas when he was the champion in my head, it seemed like he was in better shape. Um, I would think that if he, maybe he was still the champion, he'd maybe still be in better shape. Mm-hmm. You think he kind of just let it go after the. Yeah, maybe when things kind of, uh, you know, would, you know, at that point where it's like, OK, well, I'm not necessarily the main focus. It's it's OK. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I, I enjoy him. To me, he's entertaining. Mm-hmm. I, I appreciate his humor. Uh, I mean, I know we'll talk about the episode, but like today's episode, but uh, even like the, the ending of the episode and all that, like, I don't know. I, I appreciate his humor and entertainment, but uh, mm-hmm. I think he's, like I said, he's probably one of the best parts of AEW. I just, I think they could have used him more. Mm-hmm. Um to me, and maybe this doesn't matter to some people, but to me it does. Just kind of like my, my flip of old school and, and modern day, but uh, I still see Chris Jericho being a better representation for AEW as champion if he went to go do some talk show mm-hmm. than John Moxley is. Okay, that's fair enough. That I that one you can't yeah, you can't beat that. Okay. Yeah. Um my, my take on Chris Jericho is I thought it was perfect the way he, his year went. I thought it was awesome to have him win the belt. He brought in all this uh, attention and focus. And I think his losing to Moxley built Moxley up as a main eventer. You needed another main eventer. And I think uh, Moxley was in position, a good showing from Jericho, helped push him into that stratosphere. Uh, obviously, a lot of people are high on him now. I mean, he won the PWI's, you know, wrestler of the year. A lot of people want to recognize him as currently in, in North America, at least, as, as one of the top guys. Because let's face it, the, Drew McIntyre and some of those champions have had such a poor amount of uh, challengers. It's kind of taken the shine off of what they should have been, yeah. you know. Um, so this was a good opportunity for Moxley. Um, I had my worries about him in the beginning with his interviews and whatnot, but I mean, even tonight's interview, his style right now, it's kind of, it's cool and it's different and it's working. Uh, the guy who's like, Oh, maybe I'll win. Maybe I won't, but I'm going to still kick your ass. Like it's, it's viable and believable for his size. And it's not like he's shooting over, you know, shooting over his uh, size here. Um, I think Jericho was used perfectly. I think he stepped at the right time uh, out of the championship thing. Um, I know we've disagreed about uh, giving people the shine, as we'd say. Uh, I think he has. I think he's made people. I don't think I think Orange Cassidy would have totally been gone off our radars. He'd just be the creepy uh, manager dude to best friends had Jericho not worked with him. Uh, Pineapple P, well, let's face it, uh, he did him a favor. He did him a solid. Pineapple P was never going to be um, any kind of AEW wrestler, but I bet you he's getting some fair bookings out on the indie, where, you know, when the indie circuit start up again. He's going to be out there because he's the guy who was on national television. That means something. It means something. Uh, may, may, may not be the, a giant career changing thing, but sometimes it can be a slight career making thing. 
and uh, a nice little thing to put on your resume for down the road. Um, so right now, uh, the only problems I have with Jericho is that sometimes it seems like he goes too far into the humor where like, uh, I loved the, the, the stuff, the buildup with Cassidy, but I just thought it was the stupidest thing in the world that they had a, a, a orange. It's like it's just like <laughs> taking a good idea and pushing it too far, you know. And I think that's the problem with Jericho is sometimes he just gets he he, he does things to pop himself, as you would say. He does yeah, things yeah. to make himself chuckle a little harder. So he'll he can't just have a cage match. Let's have a, a cage match with you know chainsaws at the top or you know, just something that's gonna make him laugh or something. A little more, yeah, yeah. No, I can agree and, to that. And unfortunately, it doesn't translate to the casual fan, it translates to like, well, this is dumb. You know, uh, yeah. it, then it becomes almost, it kind of cheapens down the, the whole professionalism of it, I guess, when you push too far. You know that comedy matches can have their place, but you can, if taking a, putting a serious guy in a comedy match can sometimes hurt him. You know, uh, you make somebody look a certain way once, fans never forget that. If it settles in that this guy ran away from this or did this, it's kind of never leaves your head. So you got to be careful sometimes. And I think sometimes his penchant is, is to, to go a little too far with his humor, where it makes you go, oh, and it cheapens maybe sometimes what they were shooting for. Uh, but all in all, I think he's been great. Um, I don't think he should be champion right now. I think he's, I think he pushed a guy in there to, to, and made that guy, gave him a shine enough to make him look like a champion. And it's what AEW needs, because I think if they just kept it on him, it might look a little tired having, you know, an almost 50-year-old dude being your your champion yeah. of a new upstart company it's unfortunately even if he's talented even if he's things it's just it's all about image right and uh i think that might have been a detriment after a while and plus i don't know if physically he could have held up week after week uh like moxley has been moxley's still in really good shape maybe his wrestling is nowhere as good maybe he doesn't sell as well but he physically can do the grind right now which i'm not sure if chris jericho's up for it these days you know yeah yeah so uh other things i mean let's touch really quick luchasaurus and uh jungle boy my god what a weird combination that is <laughs> you take one guy who needs so much so much work with a guy who just you team him with a guy who's like screams potential and it's frustrating for me because i'm i, I can see why they do it because i don't think jungle boy is ready to be a singles guy but then I get that worry that Luchasaurus is kind of dragging him down. Andy, Jurassic Express, let's talk about it. I, I think you summed it up pretty well. Uh, you actually summed it up pretty succinctly for me, it, just in that sense where there's with Jungle Boy that there's a lot of potential there. Um, whether he's ready or not, you know, maybe if he's working with the right guy, whatever. But I mean, you know, Definitely the size. He's the ultimate underdog and be the ultimate underdog in, in every mm -hmm. match. Um, but I mean, hey, Mikey Whipwreck made it work at one time in ECW, but he also <laughs> had a lot of good guys working with yeah. him to kind of help that. Um, Luchasaurus, like, the, I, I, I like the uniqueness of the look of the gimmick. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, there's just too much stuff for me that. You know, we've discussed from everything from big guys doing stuff that maybe they don't need to be doing or just doing for the sake of doing. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. It's a very fine line of 
the it, to me it's it's because of the the size difference and maybe it's just the fact coming out on her shoulders that maybe they, there's there's that chemistry that's there that I you know that I can appreciate, mm-hmm. but it's that fine line between that and and like you said like is Luchasaurus dragging Jungle Boy down? Well, you know and what? I, as as a longtime veteran, I got to ask you this, okay? When you watch Luchasaurus, I mean, it must drive you insane. I mean, he runs the ropes. Oddly, he takes all his moves. He moves into the moves backwards. He takes things from the side. He does things where you can see the other wrestlers visibly getting confused about how they're supposed to react or move into him. And yet nothing changes. He does it every week and and they continue to let him. I mean, it's one thing to have an uh, unorthodox style. But wrestling is a cooperative. And if my style is so messed up that you can't figure out to mesh with it, well, I'm not a good wrestler. I'm sorry. Maybe that's why, like, but like he hasn't been on TV recently, right? He hasn't even more. No, they haven't shown him a lot lately. So maybe that's saying something. And I'm hoping that, that, you know what? The guy has such potential to, but he's been shitting on it so much that we've almost all seemed to have given up on what he can be. We've kind of like, Oh God, run away jungle boy. And the sad part is, uh, let's face it. Jungle boy is a small dude. If you could get uh, that potential out of Luchasaurus, well, shit, there's a main event dude right there. Yeah. But yeah. the way he's carrying it on, he's not going to go very far with. And, and, you know, it's very telling when a man that big gets released by the end uh, by WWE. Yeah. Because they'll keep big dudes for a long time. Give them the many chances it. over. Yeah. yeah. So you got to be really a lost cause for them to say, oh, you're over 6'6". Six, six? Yeah, we don't need you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that doesn't happen a lot. Yeah, I, tell, I, I hope the best for him. I hope he can figure it out and turn and turn things around. But I, I guess, mm-hmm. like I said, time will tell. Now let's talk about the new or uh, new order, <laughs> the dark order. Uh, obviously, in the beginning, that was just horrendously bad. And terrible. even even as the things came together, it just seemed worse and worse. However, I'm going to say it's not so bad lately. I'm finding. The inclusion of Colt Cabana. Don't don't have a shit that Rick and Tony. Um, I'm finding that Brody Lee is finally starting to come into something more than just a guy complaining about WWE. Um, they're almost they're, they're a funny thing for me because they're a, 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 a viable faction, but they're a faction with like 800 members, and you know that 794 of them suck ass. <laughs> only like five or six of the members are even worth anything which is where, a lot i don't know where they get all those other uh creepers that are running around the ring i yeah you know i don't um, get it it's been such an up and down journey do you guys think that the dark order is something that should keep going on or is this just should we just finally pull the plug on this thing it's been a year project has it gone over the hump I'm thinking it has the possibility now. I still don't think it's great by any sense. I think it's a much better shape than last year. But do you guys think it's it's a, enough enough of this? I think I think it, I think maybe a little longer. I think down the road it, they should just totally get rid of the whole faction, go off on their own, do their own singles run. Okay, Andy. This is a tough one for me because I I want to like the Dark Order. Um, I actually I I like the idea of having all the minions around. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's different, and unlike the end, like the late stages of the NWO when everybody was a member. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, there it's like you know, because you still had you still had names, you still had talent, you still had faces. 
It's kind of like, okay, this guy's doing it, this guy's doing it. Whereas here with these guys, where they're pretty much, the majority of them are under masks. Mm -hmm. uh, the whole interchangeable thing to me, I, I'm okay with that because, you know, uh, if you're going to try and get to the leader, you can always feed those minions. And, yeah. and, and I, and I, and, so, and I kind of like that concept. Uh, but you wish you, the minions were stronger though? <laughs> well, but if you, if you, if you think about it, like in, in most, in most movies and most things yeah. like that, I mean, the minions, I mean, they're, they're not that strong. There's just, mm -hmm. they're, they're, they're numbers. They're like yeah. pawns on, they're like pawns on a chessboard. You know, that's why there's a lot more pawns than there are the rooks and the knights and the mm -hmm. king and the queen. Right. So, um, to that extent, no, I, I'm, I'm okay with that where, you know, you might have a couple that are just, just like in some of the games, if you could have like different levels of pawns where some are stronger, some are bigger than the others. Mm -hmm. Um, I really like evil Uno. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I prefer to see more of him and I don't know. I, I was, uh, I was disappointed when it was Brody Lee that turned out to be the, the leader. Mm -hmm. uh, I thought, I, I can't remember who they all kind of had, you know, pegged as possible. Uh, mm -hmm. I think Matt Hardy definitely would have been a better choice. Yeah, mm -hmm. they, yeah, that's who they were uh, all That isn't actually who they were. Be. No, it wasn't. It was, but that's okay. But that, that's one that, like, to me, like, that would have made a, a lot more sense. And I think he would have, the way he carries, the way mm -hmm. he can kind of carry his characters in that respect. I think there would have been it would have been a lot more to it. Um, mm -hmm. With Brody Lee, I don't know if it was the you know the constant digs at WWE at first that maybe just kind of turned me off and I couldn't really get yeah. back on board with it. But uh, you know, just trying to be like, okay, well, guys like me, you know, that's not what people expect to be like the leader and stuff. And it's like, well, you know what? Like, at least in this case, you know, and you, and you talked about how sometimes with with the presentation, how they put people in a certain light, and that's yeah. it. And, and that's kind of it for me. Like, I just, I, I, I don't, I, and I couldn't, I can't offer if you say, okay, what, what could, you know, as I'm going to say this, what can make, make you change? I just don't buy into him as the leader of the dark order. Um, I, you know, if the dark order is going to continue, I would prefer to see somebody else take over. Okay. Um, now, um, yep. sorry. No, no. I was just gonna say I don't. I and and, and is, because to me, like when I when I say things like this, I would like to like be able to to give back an idea, not just complain and go, oh yeah, well this sucks, fix mm -hmm. it. Like I'd like to say, okay, well you know, so and so would be a good choice, so and so. And right now, I I don't have an answer as to who I would put in there, but it's just mm -hmm. for me, it's just not working with Brody Lee. Now to 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 uh, to reiterate what I was going to say about uh, the whole Matt Hardy thing, they said it was going to be Matt Hardy because they actually kind of covered up who it was supposed to be. Um, and if you know, you might not know this guy, Andy, if you didn't follow much Ring of Honor um, and New Japan sort of tie-ins, but it was their old Bullet Club member, Marty Skrull, was oh, the guy yes, they had. Yes, yes. He was supposed to be the guy who was supposed to come in. However, the sexual harassment uh, accusations uh, came up just before that, and they all buried it really quick. So yeah, they yeah. said, oh, no, it was going to be Matt Hardy. It was actually never going to be Matt Hardy. It was sort of to save face for everybody. Yeah, yeah. By saying it was Matt Hardy, but it was supposed to be Marty Skrull, which actually would have had none of those things happen. Would have been a pretty cool fit. I think so too. I agree because yeah. I am familiar um, with him and his character, and I think that would have been a lot better too. And I think Brody Lee, uh, I think he'd do much better without being the leader of this thing. Yeah. You know? um, and I'm not saying he has to be a character like he was on WWE. Be the smart guy. Be the guy who talks eloquently and still destroys. But I think it was just an odd, disappointing fit going into yeah. Dark Order that nobody can really get over. 
you know. I, I could see just real quick, you know, just for the Brody Lee on, on that respect, um, you know, if he wants to put over being intelligent and eloquent, I could kind of see him being a, a combination of a Bruiser Brody and a Mick Foley. Mm, I like that. He's got that wild man look. He's got that yeah. side, have that demeanor. And I mean, you know, like, I mean, and Bruiser Brody was an intelligent guy too. I mean, you know, we didn't really see it, too, you know, as much per se, like in a lot of the promos, but he was, he was a very educated guy and, and Mick Foley, I mean, you know, some of the greatest, <laughs> some <Sorry>. of the <laughs> smartest promos mm-hmm. you know, in, in the business. And so, I mean, to have that kind of mix, I think to me that I would like to, I, I'd rather see that from, from Brody Lee than, than this. Okay. I, I, I think there's only one way that could beat that. There's only one idea I see for Brody Lee. He comes out, are you guys ready for this? Uh-oh, on a no. horse. He has a cowboy hat, a sparkling jacket. He has a thing and he sings couplets. And he's Cowboy Brody Lee. Yeah, no, that's shit. Let's move on. All right. Um... <laughs> Elio, can we edit that? <laughs> Somebody mute let's, that. Let's just mute the host. <laughs> I'd rather see. There we go. We just muted the host. <laughs> <laughs> you, you folks can't see the middle finger I'm giving Delio at this moment. <laughs> um, okay, I want to tackle next really quick the Kenny Omega thing, and I have followed Kenny Omega quite a bit, and I actually understand the last year of Kenny Omega, and I know some of the people don't understand what's going on, and it's basically this: uh, AEW is this new company. They needed a star. They needed somebody like Jericho, somebody who could bring in the North American fans. Yes, Kenny Omega is a super big name in Japan. Yes, he's a super big name for the independents. However, he's not a very big name in North America. Had you brought him in and booked him like the Kenny Omega that we know, he would have destroyed Chris Jericho. But you can't do that because you need Chris to bring in people. You need him to get eyes on the product. So what you needed to do is you needed to take Kenny out of the equation for a while. And the best way to do that was have him doing this whole ridiculous tag team stuff. It took him out of the mix for a while. It gave AEW a year to build itself into a company. It gave the announcers a year to keep telling people how great Kenny really is. And now I think this coming year, you're going to see the Kenny Omega that was in yes. New Japan. I think he's going to come out and you're going to turn around and go, holy shit, this is the best wrestler in the world. And I think he had to hold it back because if he'd done it in the beginning, he would have, sure, he would have taken out Jericho or Moxley, but nobody would have followed the product. You know, uh, is it better to be uh, the number, you know, is it like, I don't think they could have achieved the numbers to compete with NXT had Kenny just been thrown into that role because unfortunately Kenny was not a known commodity, you know? Yes. He was a, he was a a gold bar, but unfortunately he was a gold bar wrapped in a, in a suitcase. And so you had no real clue what what you had there, you know? So you had to slowly unzip that thing over the year and let people know it. People who watch the show now who have never seen Kenny Omega wrestle have had enough uh, of the hosts dumping information to them that some have looked him up. Some have wondered, what is the cleaner? They've dropped that a few times. And you've been told by JR and other people that 
that you trust that this dude is legit. So in the second year when he goes into this tournament and he comes out guns a blazing, I wouldn't be surprised if he's the next uh, AEW champion. I'm actually banking he's going to win this tournament and probably be the next AEW. I already know what the finals are going to be. Ooh, how do you know what the finals are going to be? It's just my own uh, prediction. Okay. What do you think the finals are going to be? Adam Page and Kenny Omega. No, no, you can't do that, man. You cannot do that. If and tell them why, Andy. Tell them why you can't have these two guys in this tournament right now face each other for a finals. There's two ways to go on this because they can. You can save that for later. You should save that. Two former partners going for the world title is much more than for a shot at. Yeah, no, no. But then this could always be. But if you do something with the finish, mm-hmm. you know whether you give it a dusty finish or whether you do mm-hmm. whatever. I, I'm not. Dis- I'm not disagreeing because in in general, I agree with what what you're you're hinting at that you save mm-hmm. it for later. Mm-hmm. But I think this could add another layer to it where it's you know there could be something where that that's they have this match in the finals and maybe this is somewhere where hangman has him beat or whatever you know maybe on this night maybe on this night kind of outshines him but kenny still gets the win then you can come back to it again later as like hey we had this match remember this and and it adds another layer to the story so that's where I'll, i'll give it to give it to elio for me i think that well that is a good um a good look at it i think it would be even more effective if during the tournament uh, Omega f- fucked up Adam Page somehow that he lost and didn't make it to the finals because of Omega. And then because Omega's been on this downslide, he's still the alcoholic, still the uh, mm, I don't understand where I'm going sort of sadness that this is the slap in the face that turns him around. Kenny takes the belt, holds it for six dominant months, and then build to Adam Page as down the road as the he starts, this is the wake-up call. Kenny screwed him over for the belt, didn't even get into the finals of the the thing. And then later on, he starts building, starts winning. And the next thing you know, six to eight months down, you start a program with them starting up, culminating in a giant finish where Adam Page becomes a legitimate superstar and wins the belt. I think that's the route you should go. And I think there's enough guys in that company. I think Kenny knows that himself. Kenny, you know, he's sure he enjoys being world champion. But if you knew this guy, you know, he really also loves building things in wrestling. He doesn't, he loves giving guys the shine for earning it for them though. You know, you have to earn it with him and he will give it to you, but you got to run with it. And I, he would love to make Adam Page a world champion, but he's not going to do it until Adam Page is a legitimate star that they've built. And I think that is much more. I think I see my prediction is in this tournament, he's going to somehow screw Adam Page out of making it to the finals. And then he'll get into the finals and that'll be the sort of, and I think it might even be a cool part to have Adam Page try and screw him up in his finals, but fail somehow. Right. And then the story builds, but I could be wrong too. You know, they may go the quick route and say, oh, let's have him there. But I think there's just way more money, way more anticipation, way more build to do it, have them not touch each other yet. Because I don't think they should, wouldn't it be great if we could go from this moment to six to eight months before those two even touch each other in the ring. I wouldn't have a problem with that either. People would be salivating finally. Have Omega screw him around and then just block his path. This is why I would have make him a horseman because now he has FTR skirting around. He still needs a little revenge on them, but they're keeping him away from Paige. Then, hey, you've got Sean Spears. He's ready to come in with his loaded glove every now and then. Maybe they have a three or four month feud before he yeah. finally gets that shot again. 
to me, that's how you build Adam Page into a star because he I has like the it. potential. I, I agree. I agree. And kind of just everything you've kind of said about uh, uh, Kenny Omega is mm-hmm. kind of a similar mindset to what I have too, where this, this first year was, you know, like, and again, we'll go back to talking about the rub. Even like right now, to me, being in the tag team with Paige, to me, that's given Adam Page more of a legitimate rub mm-hmm. than a lot of the Pineapple Pete type matches that you with hate pineapple. You no, eat, no, 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 eat, no, no. Okay, do you I like pineapple on your pizza? I do. <laughs> I don't know, me too. Okay, yes. go on. So I, I, you know, I just use him as the example because to me, I don't yeah. feel that that's, you know, like, like the legitimate in-ring rub that's... You know, well, like guys like it. Pineapple Pete has never made a singles match on Dynamite after that. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. Yeah. So, but it's it's, nice he must that, have been on Dark. <laughs> maybe it's it's nice he's going to get some extra bookings for it. Yeah. But to me, it wasn't like a, a rub that's like made that's brought him up to another level. Whereas right. uh, now, with you know doing this thing with Kenny Omega, I think this has mm. brought in you know with the tag team this brought him to a level. If they go to feud, especially over the t- you know over the title like that we kind of are predicting, kind of hoping, mm-hmm. I think that will just elevate him more. And that's kind of that kind of projection there is more of the kind of rub I'm looking at. And yeah. with Kenny Omega, I uh, I think. You know, I, I agree how with how you put it was that not enough North American fans know who he is. So this first year, you know, he can still we'll, we'll dial him down, and we'll put him in the tag team. We'll do this. You know, he'll still get some wins. He'll help put some guys over. He'll get the rub with uh, with Adam Page. And now this next year, it's kind of like you said. This is there. It's like okay, now we can kind of start to just let him be like, go ahead, man, have at it. Now um, the next thing we'll tackle really quickly: the Young Bucks. Okay. Um, I don't even know where to start with these guys because let's face it, they're big names on the independents. Uh, you know them from ROH, you know them from New Japan. Um, they too have, uh, for all the times people want to say they put themselves over, uh, they have the worst losing streak of just about any tag team in the divisions right now. They've put over, they've let what Private Party beat them. They lost yeah. the first title matches. They've they've lost a rematch title matches they've had. Um so that is cool that they could, they're giving, you know, other chan- teams the chance to shine. But then on the flip side, they do some really egregious, egregious bullshit. Um, you know, you have them all of a sudden. I mean, okay, they're only probably about five, eight, both of them. They're, they're smallish guys. And yet they book themselves as if they were six foot eight. You know, uh, Matt will like, Remember when he did that ridiculous uh, um, suplex all the way up and down? He did the reoccurring German suplex 100 yards across yeah. the whole arena. Yeah. The, the stadium stampede. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he never, he rarely sells. <laughs> but then the flip side is he'll go three months selling his ribs as if he's almost dead. And then he'll go six months selling like you could shoot him with a gun in the face and he'll get up and still attack you. Um He's so inconsistent with that. And then this whole thing, it's so confusing with the current FTR storyline with them. FTR is definitely the bad guys. They do so much garbage, yet it, uh, the Young Bucks will come in at the end of their things and do something crappy to someone, but it doesn't even make them like, yeah. I'm sorry. You don't look like a tough guy kicking an announcer, a cameraman or whatever. It just makes you look like a chicken shit heel. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't make you look like a tough guy, but they're trying to make it look like tough guy. Like, and, and I shouldn't, you know, they did it today and we'll talk about that coming up. But the whole, oh, we'll just pay the fine crap. That would look cool if you were six foot six 
and you were a monster and you're like, just play the money. It looks like a chicken shit heel when you ambush somebody and then you're going to pay the money. It yeah. doesn't work. Um, I don't know what to think of these guys sometimes. We'll get into our next topic about them, but uh, uh, they have some great stuff and they have some bad stuff. And I don't know what the year is going to hold on for them. They're obviously going to win the belts from FTR down the road. I mean, the, we'd have to be blind not to see that coming at least in the next four to five months. They're going to build FTR up to very big. And then I don't know though. Did you turn FTR? I was going to say, guys? is that a heel versus heel match then? It's going to have to be because I don't know why they're dumbly doing the stuff they do. Are they going to have an epiphany where they're going to start to pull back now and go, Oh, we, we, we see the error of our ways that I guess that's possible, but FTR doesn't work as good guys. They work no. as a heel team yeah. mm-hmm. and uh, heel versus heel matches. Sometimes they're good for a one-off spectacle, but they're not good for the consequences that can come out of them. They can't all be Nick Bogwinkle versus she can and I'll Casey. Yeah. And let's remember, <laughs> Nick went back to being a dick soon as that, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> as soon as that series was over. So yeah. Yeah. Um, um, and and who do you cheer for right now? I, I would think unfortunately fans would cheer for FTR right now. Oh, I I would definitely cheer for FTR. I mean, I'm not a big young bucks guy anyways. I never really have been. You're never but... gonna get invited to the super kick party. Oh well, you know what? I guess that's why I'm. I guess that's why I'm the lone wolf, right? Can't can, can, can see Eddie so broken up over that. Yeah. Uh, he is, but I mean, and even still, like you know, we've talked about this in the past about you know pushing our levels of suspension of disbelief, and I don't care if you're part owner, you're part of the executive committee or whatever, but repeatedly breaking rules even if you're throwing money right at the fines. At some point, the you know an, an owner or somebody higher would be like stop doing that yeah well even like, jr what did jr say on today's like maybe it's time we stop finding them and just take them off television yeah yeah <laughs> yeah yeah like it, it's just i mean i guess you know that maybe they had well they must have some like some end goal in mind but again this kind of goes back to my earlier point about you know best and worst about okay well letting the guys have more input it can be great on some levels and some point this is like you know, for these guys, you know, for them to be going, okay, hey, this would be a great idea if we just keep kicking people. Like, I, I, I don't know. And maybe because I'm not the target demographic and maybe there's mm-hmm. a people like, ha, this is the funniest thing ever. This is cool. I, no, man, I'm sorry. I think it's garbage. Well, it's also just like stuff. It's like, yeah, yeah it looks cool for two seconds. But when you add the story up, it's garbage. Yeah. It's well, all and flash it's, and no substance. And, it, and it's the same thing over and over again. You know, for people yeah. we'll talk about, hating so many things because it's oh cena's only got so many things and this and that well it's like you know for the past month or month and a half or this is the same thing and it's like okay all right so the last thing we're going to talk about before we go on to our uh our inter interpromotional thing let's talk about the announcers let's talk about the announcers first of all jr <laughs> jr should be the solid uh, guy but He's a ghost of what he was in WWE, unfortunately. Fortunately. I keep wanting to give him as much birth as I can, but he keeps doing some dumb shit. There's times where, to me, it screams like he wants to be the hip guy, hip grandpa. But the words hip grandpa doesn't work because everyone laughs at hip grandpa. Yeah. And you can see the frustration in him sometimes and the bad calls and the missed calls. I mean, the whole crap. I know I still will defend him that... Uh, the whole Anna J thing and the wardrobe malfunction thing. We went over that, but people are still crucifying him as being sexist, which I don't think it was, but unfortunately that's how much he's kind of tarnished his image 
that people would jump to that. Uh, what do you think? I'm okay. I mean, I mean, you know, just from today's episode at the start, and I missed it. Now, when uh, he was introducing Ricky Starks, mm -hmm. was he trying to make a joke there, or did he accidentally call him by a shoot name? Uh, he that? probably accidentally called him by his shoot name because he said his name. He said Ricky, yeah. whatever, and they're like, "Oh, that's like a banjo player or something." I'm like, "So is was?" And I was like, "Okay, well, so did he accidentally call him by his shoot yeah, name, or he did. was it some dated reference to a banjo player that no one's going to know, anyways?" No, that was unfortunately a slip. Yeah. Okay. That's and I and I think if you even go back, you kind of look, and it's like Taz and and Ricky Starks are both kind of got that. Hmm, yeah. <laughs> look, and it's like, uh, and and I, so I, I I agree with you, like. Uh, I'm a big JR fan. I mean, you know, for the most of, uh, well, most of my career, but for, for a good chunk of, of being a wrestling fan, I mean, you know, he and Jerry Lawler were, were the voices mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, for the, the amount of historic calls and, and the amount of, um, amazing matches he's been a part of again, like you said it perfectly. It's like, a, to me, it's like a ghost of his former self. And it's, uh, I don't know. It, it's, well, this, there's lots there's lots of problems on this team. I mean, let's look over to Excalibur. Um, I started to enjoy this guy after a while. He, you know, he has all these obscure references, uh, yeah. even to the point I laughed the other day when uh, he made a reference to uh, um, what's his name, uh, da, 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 the guy who's a really good talker with the, the new group, uh, Spanish guy. Uh, it's uh, slipping my mind. Eddie. Eddie. Yes, Eddie. Eddie Kingston. Kingston. Yeah, and he made some comment about Eddie Kingston's colors being a tribute to some obscure Japanese wrestler. And you could see JR get pissed off and go, oh, yeah, everyone knows that, you know, like very sarcastically. And and I really started to like his stuff. But then sometimes your past can haunt you. And that whole surface video has come up with him being extremely racist and using the N-word and calling another wrestler that at a PWG thing. I know the guys at POV... Uh, they hate Excalibur after that. They want they want him gone. Uh, it does shade it. It does shade it. I, I I mean, I said to Rick Serrano, I said, well, what if the, that wrestler had said, it's okay, let's get some heat. You call me that, right? Yeah. And Rick said, well, no, because that black guy doesn't represent every black or colored man out there. So how dare he be able, you know what I mean? So yeah, it's a it's touchy tough. subject. And us being white guys, we don't get to deal with racism as yeah. much. But I'm finding over this year that I'm having a problem with people who are racist. And it really shaded the way I look at Excalibur. I don't look at him as this kind of guy they all pick on, but he knows a lot of knowledge. This part of me is like, yeah, pick on that piece of shit, you know, like, um, and that's colored it for me. Yeah, I hate yeah. to use that word color, but you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, no pun intended. Yeah. So um, there's that. And then there's the weird part is the one person who I really thought wouldn't be anything of a matter to me that I wouldn't really care about what he thought or what, whatever would be um, I'm actually liking Tony Schiavone for a guy who just gave up on wrestling before you could tell, watch the end of WCW days. He just did not give two shits about doing that show <laughs> yeah. um, to a guy now that I enjoy a lot with today's exception of the, today. I'm going to point out something ridiculous about him, but uh -oh. um, uh it's weird that I find him, <laughs> you know, the, the only really strong part of this team at the moment. He makes a, he gives a levity to JR's rambling and to Excalibur's nonsense. He's like the average normal everyday guy who's pointing out shit to us. So yeah, yeah. So I'm not sure. What do you do with that team? 
unfortunately, JR's time might be coming close. Maybe they have to look at another thing. Excalibur, I'm sorry, I can't look past you. That's a pretty harsh thing you did. And uh, I think it's time that those two guys go and they find a new team with Tony Schiavone. And, and you know what? I, based on uh, the past couple of weeks where he's been on, I would suggest mm -hmm. keeping Taz because I found I, I, I've enjoyed Taz's commentary because mm -hmm. it's he's enough in character. You know, when he's especially if he's talking about Brian Cage, Ricky Starks, um, who's the guy that Ricky Starks is feuding with? Um, uh, Darby Allen. Darby, Darby Allen. Allen. You know, and 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 he'll he'll crap on Allen, but he'll say, "Hey, you all, give him his I'll give him his due. I'll give him his credit." And that's not I I find and and maybe it's just because compared to what else is there, yeah, maybe, maybe yeah. that's why. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I've I've enjoyed it overall. Like I I've enjoyed having Taz on commentary. Like, and I appreciate yeah. when he's there. I think Taz should be on the commentary, but I don't think he should have Team Taz anymore. No, I think that, he should that, that's just fair. be a commentary who's points out like he was doing before he got Team Taz. Yeah, show yeah. us how those moves work. Do those things. Yes. That was yes, a good, yes, refreshing yes. voice. Yeah. Um, and and what indicative? This is how indicative of how poor the team is at this moment. Ricky Starks sounded better than Jr. and uh, and Excalibur and. He was barely on talking. Yeah, he didn't say very much to me. I, I can't say. I'm like, yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to agree. Like, I remember I remember a couple of times where it was like, oh, he said something. But I'm yeah. not going to go as far as agreeing with you and saying, oh, yeah, he sounded better. I just remember it was like he seemed not to say much, which to me, mm -hmm. right, you know, especially when you already got four or five guys doing yeah. commentary, less can be more. All right. Well, you know what? They're obviously year one was a good solid year, but not a great year. And uh, there are some great potential there. And I think it will get better. Um, I think they're starting to find their feet. They've established that they're a company, that they're real this first year. Now they got Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks and things they held back. Now is the time to introduce those things and really, really make a, a bigger noise, I think. And I think it will be a better year for AEW. Let's just hope uh, it doesn't go to their heads. All right. Now let's move on next to uh, our inter- promotional uh, talk. Every uh, every week we uh, match up an AEW person or team or whatever versus a WWE team. This one, boy, this one is a tough one. I think yep. so far this has been the toughest one for me to really be honestly thinking about. And this week we're going to look at uh, WWE's team, the Usos, uh, versus AEW's team of the Young Bucks. Mm. All right? First, I'm going to say to Elio, Elio, who do you give the edge to and why in this battle? I'm going to go with Usos. And why? Because uh, for me, uh, they, they're, the, they're, they're bigger than Young Bucks. The Young Bucks are... Mm -hmm. Everyone usually compares them to like the Hardys and all that with the high flying stuff. The mm -hmm. Usos, they have the big power moves. So mm -hmm. for that, I'm gonna go with the, with the Usos. All right, all right with power moves. Okay, this is, and it's funny again. I'll like you said, and I've said it before, and I'll say like, I'm not a a young bucks guy. Mm -hmm. Having said that, I find this very. Very tough because now when you're asking me this, are we just saying in an overall sense or who's better worker? What what which way we want it? Which way are we? There's so many ways. Like they're yeah. so confusing over WWE. <laughs> this is how I'm putting it for us. Okay. I'm gonna say if let's say ten years down the line, we look back after both of these teams have had their careers, mm -hmm. 
who is the better team actually? Who is going to have that better career in the very end? And it's hard because some of it's speculation. The Usos have had probably a longer run and they will probably retire before the Young Bucks. But who do you really honestly think in the end, knowing the things, seeing the things going, who is that team who comes out as being the better team in the end? For me, the biggest thing for this projecting forward is Mm -hmm. depending on the success of AEW Mm -hmm. and the audience and and, uh, worldwide attention it can garner. Mm -hmm. If we're going to go by exposure at the end of the day, it's probably going to be with the Usos. Just because, you know, they've they've been around, they've been more mainstream longer. They've got the Samoan connection. I think that's, Mm -hmm. you know, a big deal. And that that can always be played into the future. I mean, if, uh, if they get involved, if they stay involved with Roman Reigns, if, you know, if they ended up joining him, uh, Mm -hmm. you bring back the rock or something that association's automatically going to lift up. Okay. In that sense. Um, The young bucks. See, I try to look at it as like I part of me is trying to look at it as the casual wrestling fan looking in. Mm-hmm. Okay, and and for the more the more serious and more dedicated wrestling fans, I, I think they're going to lean more towards the young bucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, WWE has a particular style; they stay within it. So, not to say that they're you know the, the Usos, if they were given free reign, if they went to Ring of Honor or if they went to AEW. Uh, they're not, you know, not to say they couldn't do all the crazy stuff or, on, you know, stay on the same level as the Young Bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to, uh, again, this is solely dependent on the success of AEW, and that's assuming that the Young Bucks would stay there and, and the Usos would go there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to give you a clear-cut camp clear-cut answer i think to uh the general casual wrestling fans i think the uh the usos get the nod but for more of the wrestling community in the long run i think it'll go to the young bucks okay now when this came up for me um boy i honestly went back and forth every time i thought this is the way then i took this into account then i took this into account then i and it just kept going back and forth okay now i'll read really quickly what Rick and Tony said. Actually, you know what? No, I'm going to save their comments here because we're taking this as this, but then we're going to do really quickly. We'll do the fantasy thing. We'll make it as the fantasy, the, the Young Bucks now versus the Usos now. And they got in a match. And fantasy-wise, who would you win because of styles? But in the overall thing, in the end, I had to go with the Young Bucks for the simple reason of this, is the Young Bucks have are two guys who forged themselves from nothing to be coming into a company. There was a time when... Uh, you could buy Bullet Club and Young Bucks t-shirts at Hot Topic, and they outsold way more than any WWE shirts did. Yep. People in the mainstream who weren't wrestling were buying Young Bucks and Bullet Club shirts all across North America. That's a big thing. Um, then I thought, okay, well, you got the Usos. They're on this world stage. They have the Samoan connection. But then let's take into account that tag teams are treated like shit in the WWE. And I would be hard pressed to name five tag teams in the last five years who've held belts because a lot of the times they're guys who they throw together, give them a name, and then they disappear and go on to singles and they never do it again. It seems there's such a de-emphasis on tag teams that in the end, great tag teams 
are barely remembered. Maybe they're remembered by you, but they might not be remembered by everybody. And then even then, if 10 years from now, you can remember the Samoan connection, well, there's also so many other Samoan wrestlers. So do you actually really remember them? Or do you remember the team before them or the Samoan team after them? You know? Uh, so in the end, because of that, I would say I would have to go with the Young Bucks in reality of what team's 10 years down the line. Now let's make it fun and do fantasy right now. Young Bucks versus Usos. I'm going to start off with saying I would pick the Usos. They're bigger. They're stronger. They're aggressive. Uh, they they definitely have the height. <laughs> um, I think if in the fantasy booking realm, it's got to be the Usos. Andy? I just, I'll go with the Usos as well. Uh, and Elio? Same. You, okay. Still with Tony, uh, Tony Diaz wrote in, it's difficult and I believe it's a draw, but since I have to pick, I believe whoever is the face team will win. Okay. <laughs> Quite possible. Right. Rick said, I give one team the ever so slight edge of 50.1% to 49.9%. The edge goes to the Usos because of the aggression they are capable of having. These two teams have been the best teams of the past decade. Agreed. However, the fans voted in and voted 64% the Young Bucks, 36% the Usos. So we've looked at this at two different ways. I'm not sure how the fans are looking at it. Sometimes we're a little bit unclear on this thing. But that's our interpromotional uh, yeah. look at for this week. Uh, now, fans, the, internet wrestling sorry, the internet wrestling community, that doesn't surprise me. Yes. <laughs> I mean, you never know what you're going to get for the answers. Yeah. But we still throw them out there. Uh, which would be nicer, folks, if you really wanted to, to give weight to your vote, throw in a comment of why you voted for that. That might give a little bit more weight to like, Nyeh. now, I'm not even going to go, you know, usually we cover ROH, the, uh, the thing still going on, the tournament. This week was a bunch of guys who you have to be really right. hardcore wrestling fans. I'll, I'll just yes. say, I like the first match, uh, the second match. Hot but, Sauce, yeah. Tracy Williams. Yep, yep. Okay. I just, I just like that um, one a lot better than the PJ Black one. The second one? Yeah. The tournament's still going on. Uh, we're kind of at the point where you have to be hardcore indie or ROH wrestlers to know who the, the current wrestlers were for this week. Uh, it's still going on. We'll see how the finals are going on. It seems like they tipped their hand, and, and it probably is going to end up being Jay Lethal versus Jonathan Gresham in the finals because that's how the, both of them have been talking the whole time. Tag team partners were big scientific guys fighting each other for the pure title. Probably going to be the thing. Um, WWE NXT UK uh, starting the stupid ass uh, British rounds thing. Don't like it. <laughs> oh, th um, this, not a fan I, of it. I didn't like it much this week. But you know what? What can I say? I used to watch wrestling where they gave you yellow cards. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that's still going on. I don't think I don't see any definitive uh, winners or starts yet. So we'll see how this thing progresses. Uh, moving on to Impact. Impact had. Uh, Impact makes me mad sometimes. There's a lot of great wrestlers on there, and they had such a piss-poor main event. That was terrible. Okay? The Motor City Machine Guns are great, but putting them against uh, Fulton and uh, Ace Austin as a main event, garbage. Nobody cares. Nobody thought for a second those idiots were going to beat. In what world is Ace Austin the main event? No world. Not even in the backyard. His mom said, get out. Get your brother in there. Um, and then, okay, I like how you make Rohit Raju look like a... Uh, the coward got it he's not really going to put his belt up but comes out offers his belt up for a challenge jordan grace comes out 
She freaking pins him, the champion. Then how does he get to jump out of the ring and said, oh, I didn't say it was for a title match and gets away with it. <laughs> that <laughs> sounds like some vintage Andy then, Anderson stuff and right then, there. And then, then, then he Andy runs Anderson. to the back and he runs into Scott DeBoer who tells Warren, oh, he has to defend his championship at the next pay-per-view. Yeah, and how fair is that to Jordan Grace, the first person to pin him? Doesn't even get to be in the six-man match against him. <laughs> no, and, she yeah. isn't. She isn't it. Did they put her in there? Yeah. Okay. I'm not sure how I feel about intergender to begin with. <laughs> okay. Yikes. We already went through all this crap with uh, who is the woman champion that uh, just was a big Tessa Blanchard. Tessa Blanchard. Yes. Okay. Um, so impact. Kind of a slip on the banana peel for me this week. Did not yep. really like so much garbage in that show this week. Uh, the the honeymoon, uh, the upcoming wedding thing. I don't care. I, I can't afford the wedding, so the best man has to figure it out. I'm not sure what freaking universe that's ever happened in. I would be like, not your best man anymore, buddy. Figure it out yeah. yourself. But <laughs> so yeah, impact kind of ridiculous. And in New Japan, people tune into our aftermath show, and uh, we'll go over uh, the tournament as it's going right now. Uh, looks like Okada is starting to pick up steam. Naido looking good. Keep your eye on Suzuki. Um, those are right now, I think, the three most day. Oh, and I guess Koto Ibushi. Uh, he looks like he's calm going his way to the top. So those are the four guys to keep your eye on so far. And uh, some surprise looks that Yoshihashi and uh, Taichi finally looking like credible wrestlers. I would never have guessed that I'd be enjoying their matches. Yeah, right. uh, I don't know if you follow it enough, Andy, but these guys were basically your low-level uh, dudes who you're like, why do they give these guys TV time? And it's taken four or five years in that all of a sudden this year they're credibly wrestling consistently where you're like, whoa, I actually enjoy this guy for a change. So that's kind of a nice thing to see. Nice. Uh, Will Will Osprey looking like the biggest dick ever, so I'm not <laughs> sure where they're going to go with that dude. And the number one MVP, definitely. Every single match he's had has been the match of that oh, night. His tight is um, Tomohiro Ishii. Yes. Even even though he's only won two of the five matches he's been in, <laughs> his matches have been the best matches every single night. So he's definitely the MVP this year. And uh, so when you say best him. matches, are like like most entertaining matches. Yeah, the one yeah. match where at the end of the night you went. That's the match I remember. That's yeah, the yeah. match I enjoyed. I cool. watched. I was like, holy shit, even though Ishii didn't win this time, holy crap, you know? Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. had some amazing stuff. And, and actually, Andy, I'm going to go back and later on I'll send you a couple of his matches I'll look up because there's some that you're going to go, wow, this, how is this guy not killing himself? This is some <laughs> right. He's hitting pretty damn hard. All right. We're going to take a quick commercial break. When we get back, we're jumping into AEW Dynamite. We're talking Dynamite. about the 30th the 30th anniversary of Chris Jericho. And I got to tell you guys, this messed me up because they kept saying this week's the Jer Chris Jericho's 30th anniversary next week's the anniversary show. And you're like, huh? It's because next week is AEW's anniversary, which they weren't very clear about because everyone over the internet the last week has been going, uh, which week is the anniversary? Hey, I knew it was Chris Jericho's anniversary this week. That's why. Wait, but did you? That. Were you no, ever we'll confused when they kept saying that it was anniversary next week? No. Nope. Okay. Because nope. I was until I realized, wait a minute, oh, it's AEW's anniversary. Ah. Well, I'm just stupid. I've been I still got a few brain cells left. I don't. I really don't. Anyhow, uh, quick, let's do some quick plugs because I always forget this crap. Uh, tell people where they can write in. Elio. Okay. So you can uh, write in to us on Facebook at Wrestling POV Podcast. Instagram at Wrestling POV1 and Twitter at Wrestling POV. 
Well, folks, we also have a group of shows. Uh, you're listening tonight to WPOV Global, which occurs every Friday night, hosted by me and Elio and sometimes special guest star Andy Anderson, where we take a look at all the non-WWE wrestling things. We hop into New Japan, uh, MLW, et cetera, et cetera. And the second half of the show is usually a deep dive into this week's episode of AEW Dynamite. Uh, you can find also... Me and Elio host a show with, hey, frequent guest star Andy Anderson uh, called WPOV Quarantine, which comes out on, I think it's Mondays or something like that. Uh, that show is our Zoom show where you actually see us talking. You get to see that sexy troll-like beard that Andy's been growing. You get to see the little peach fuzz that uh, Elio's going. And you get to see a head that kind of looks like an uncarved pumpkin on me. That's right. Every week we have some guests. We talk some topics. And it's fun. It's a, a lot of fun wrestling, man. It's if you're a wrestling fan, we're going to talk about the stuff that makes wrestling great, the things that work, the things that are exciting, and maybe have a little criticism on the things that are failing. And I guarantee you listen to an episode of quarantine, especially lately, you're going to come out of there knowing a lot and knowing why we love wrestling and why you love wrestling. We also have WPOV wrestling, which is the granddaddy flagship show, the original one. That's aired every Saturday. It's featuring um, Tony Diaz and Rick Serrano III as they cover all the goings-on within the world wrestling entertainment. They cover Raw, SmackDown, NXT, and take a little look at AEW as we continue our, what would you call it, our vote looks where we decide is NXT this week better or is AEW better? It's the Wednesday Night Delight, and all of us get a vote in on that, and we compare those two shows. And uh, the last show I'm going to tell you about is called WPOV Aftermath. It occurs after a big pay-per-view where some of us who knows what the lineup will be, we'll talk about, break down that pay-per-view, say what worked, what didn't. Currently, we are doing a G1 thing every four uh, episodes of G1. Uh, me and uh, Elio get on there and break down where the tournament's at, how things are going, how people are looking. Uh, so far, I think I only have one pick that's, uh, uh, no, I guess I got two picks performing uh from out of four that are doing good anyways uh folks all those things you can find all of these shows on uh all the different platforms facebook tune in uh iheart radio spotify Podbean, uh, podbean uh, anyhow folks we're gonna take a quick commercial break when we get back aw hey listen up this is el lobo andy anderson the lone wolf and you are listening to wrestling POV Global right now. All right, fans, we are back. Now it's the exciting time of the, well, it was all exciting, but let's take another look at AEW Dynamite. And uh, today, the 30th anniversary of Chris Jericho. Dynamite! What would it do? Would it be something special? Is this going to go down as one of your all-time best uh, AEW things? Um, I'm not sure if it's going to beat NXT this week. But let's get into it. All right, uh, guys, let's start off. We uh, First of all, there was a hell of a lot of guys that came in through the night telling Chris Jericho congratulations. Some of them pretty unique. There was some cool wrestlers. You had Ultimo Dragon. Uh, you had Shavo Guerrero. Hiroshi Tanahashi. Hiroshi Tanahashi. Was, I thought that was a great touch. Since didn't Jericho, like, who re mentioned? No. Who mentioned him last week? Somebody referenced him. Oh, as Cody referenced him last week, remember? Said there's only one ace in wrestling and he's in New Japan. Well, that's who the New Japan ace is, is Hiroshi Tanahashi. So it's kind of nice for him to pop up. Uh, Steel Panther was funny because, you know, Jericho uh, is yeah. in his band. I love the one guy. He's a wrestler? 
<laughs> uh, Shaquille O'Neal, uh, Gene Simmons, Paul Stanley, um, Lars Ulrich was pretty funny. A few comedians, Dennis Miller, uh, that fluffy dude, I can't stand him. Uh, Gabriel Iglesias, Gabriel Iglesias. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I Evan thought it was Smith. super. I thought it was super funny that they had Ted Irvine on there, and you know, people were like, "Oh, the hockey guy." Uh, the funny part is it's Chris Jericho's dad. <laughs> yeah. which we, a lot of wrestling fans actually don't know so it was kind of nice it was a cool touch you know you know what I, you know what to me though that really stuck out about that yeah and, and i mean you know maybe this this could be whatever but the fact that there actually wasn't very many wrestlers yes there that's was what more was personalities really cool. well see but to me it, it was cool, but at the same time, and, and and to me, maybe because just with so many guys with WWE ties, I think that's where it missed out. Because it's it's cool that you have that, you know, all these celebrities that go beyond wrestling and show like the reach that he has. Very cool, but at the heart of it, Chris Jericho is a wrestler, and I mean, you know, for all the guy. And again, I understand that majority of the guys would be WWF. Or WWE, sorry, WWE connections, so they can't be on. But that's right. almost what kind of was disappointing to me is that you couldn't like, like man, it would have been awesome to have like even like The Rock. Yes. Like, like, like hey, you know what I mean? Just because these are the guys like along, you know, to have the guys with along the way. I mean, you know, you, you had Lance Storm in there, which was cool. Don Callis, sure. Um, but man, it would have been nice to see more wrestlers because that's okay. what Chris Jericho is, and that's what he, that's what this legacy is built on is wrestling. Well, I think for me, like, I got to say that I liked it for the fact that it was three people on that. For me, that tied it in to, if you're a Chris Jericho fan, these three guys, or maybe fourth, I guess you could include Lance Storm. These four guys really tied in for me what it meant for Chris Jericho, the wrestler. And that was having his dad, Ted Irvine. That was cool. Yeah. Having um, Ultimate Dra Ultimo Dragon. Yeah. And having Don Callis. If you're a Jericho fan, you know those three and how important they are in the overall aspect of Chris Jericho. And Lance Storm is definitely the icing on the cake. Yeah. So for me, that was super important. It would have been super cool to have The Rock. But once again, that almost falls into the category of, well, just a big name, superstar. You know? Yeah. I, I'm just using his, I just was yeah. using his as an example because, I mean, he's not directly tied well i want to say he's not directly tied like to me it's like he's, he's he should be enough of his own entity that he could you know like it's like you can't have you know if you're not going to have angle you're not going to have austin yeah. you're not going to have like edge christian like these guys like yeah would have been cool and that's that's where for me i kind of missed out now the one thing i want to say is they i don't know if you've seen leading up to this uh they've had been doing all the wrestlers in AEW saying how much jericho meant to them and blah blah blah, yeah. blah. Yeah. and then they had the what are they the strong and proud come out proud and powerful yeah proud and powerful how that they were inspired by chris yep. jericho and that's sort why of well i really think somebody should slap jericho in the face if that's true because if if he's responsible for that horrible um <laughs> bullshit that the <laughs> one guy does or tease oh my god uh yikes okay let's let's get into this here we go um the most prestigious belt in the history of professional wrestling, the FTW belt. I'm sure Taz is mistaken. Oh, that hurt. That was that hurt saying that. My throat feels sick. Okay, a <laughs> piece started, of shit. You started saying that. I'm like, what belt is he talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not the FTW belt. No. 
Um, the yeah, FTW. Taz, Taz, Taz went off on a fan for tweeting at him that FTW championship isn't the real championship. <laughs> it isn't. It is garbage. But anyhow, <laughs> he got all bad. Um, I love how you can't even say on television what it means. <laughs> so the FTW champion Brian Cage taking on Will Hobbs. Uh, Elio, what did you think of this match? It it wasn't a bad match. It was it wasn't a bad match. I just I didn't like uh, the ending. Okay. Afterwards, with the Taz coming out and like you're all all look, look like you were all going to attack mm-hmm. Hobbs, and then Darby Allen just shows up. So, okay. but uh, the match itself was okay. I like Will Hobbs. Okay, Andy. Uh, similar to Elio, I, I thought it was okay for a bigger man match. Um, didn't stand out for me, but it was okay. Um, okay. The the finish, now, if this becomes, or, and this is where we talk about sometimes where things just get thrown out. Like, mm-hmm. for all of a sudden, it was just like, okay, like, you know, you had the match. Taz comes on and says, okay, hold it, hold it. You know, you can join us or not. Mm-hmm. If this is the beginning of a recurring thing with Will Hobbs, mm-hmm. I'm willing to let my comments here slide but uh-huh. if this was just a random one off where it was just like hey we're you know no build up no reason we're just gonna offer you a spot well i think you're forgetting the fact that will hobbs uh darby allen and john moxley are going to headline the next pay-per-view against taz's company and archer and i think that whole thing was to try and oh. disrupt the team okay moxley and Did i don't really think mention, it was they wouldn't really mention that or push it though they didn't push it this week. They pushed no. the shit out of it last week, but they didn't say much about it. You didn't even have an idea that Moxley and uh, Archer were going to be going yeah. at it down the road, you know? So, yeah, that surprised me. Well, well no, but isn't didn't they push for next week? Isn't it supposed to be Archer versus yeah, Moxley next for the week, title? Next week. So did they just drop – maybe they just dropped the whole thing because that was supposed to be what they were pushing for was a six-man match. That sounds – you know, you say that, that sounds familiar, but see – but, Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, like we exactly. have to do this. Like no, that's, we could know because so that, uh, that's what they said uh, later on the show. It's gonna be Archer and Moxie next week. But isn't the is the what maybe it's the next upcoming pay per view then that they're pushing for the six man thing? I'm not sure. The fact, that we're have, being, the fact that we're the fact that we're being confused about it that's not a good. It's sign. not good. Yeah, that's not a good <laughs> but, sign. But that's okay. So if that's what that is, but like maybe if it's disrupting or something, then to me you need to have that. You know, remind us of the backstory so that we're not yeah. going, huh? Because to me that just seemed random that they had this match. And it and was like, okay, he beat him. Okay, hey, you want to join us? We're going to beat you up. And then Darby Allen, like, honestly, just mm-hmm. for the way that went, like, part of me, as the way the camera angles were showing, I was waiting for Will Hobbs to, like, wall up Darby Allen. Yeah, it almost seemed, I wondered if that was going to happen. And, um, you know, because the fact it didn't, like I said, so if this was supposed to, if this was supposed to be something for a six-man at some point down the road, mm-hmm. then they should have, they should have backed that up. If this is just a, if this is a recurring thing, I'll let it slack. If this was just a one-off, then to me, that was a waste. Now, my problem with this match is, first of all, they're trying to introduce Will Hobbs as a big, credible guy. Get that. He looked good. He did like, it was like a 50-50 match here. The flip side problem is, is Brian Cage has not looked good in the last while, and this made him look weak. A young, up-and-coming nobody pretty much manhandled him just as much as he manhandled. My problem here is why didn't they just put Ricky Starks in here? It would have been much, you know, Ricky Starks is the smaller man on the team versus the big man. Then you hold back and you think, oh, maybe what's going to really happen when they collide? It just, Brian Cage has not been presented as a monster except for the first week he came in. 
And I really thought that it was a little too easy. They could have played off that Will Hobbs is still up and coming and learning and that he should have been dominated a little more just by pure experience of what Brian Cage was. I think it made, yeah, it made Will Hobbs look good, but it made Brian Cage, even though Cage took the win, it made him look yeah. not that Yeah, you're dominant. saying it brought him down rather than bringing Will Hobbs up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think that was a bit of a blunder there. Um, another thing I really hate, as much as I love Taz on the commentary, when he starts to try and interact with the wrestlers on the mic, it just turns to shit there. He's terrible. Hey, look at me. Look at me. Look at me. You punk. You punk. You, you it's just you like, young whippersnapper. Get off my lawn. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He, he goes from like a competent guy to like a parody old man and did not like that. Did not think that was cool. And that's what, why I say I wouldn't mind Taz on commentary, but drop him as a manager. I yeah. don't think mm-hmm. nobody needs team Taz, Brian Cage. And Ricky Starks do not need to, uh, Taz. He's not offering anything. And the FT belt, W belt is just garbage anyway. So, uh, <laughs> fair enough. Tell me how you real feel. Uh, <laughs> all right. Then we had uh, the hybrid two versus FTR, which actually was a pretty darn interesting match. I'm going to say, I, I'll let you start, Andy. Um, no, overall, I, I, I didn't mind it. I, I'm familiar with Angelico and am I saying this right? Yeah. Angelico, Angelico. And Angelico. Jack Evans. I know the names. I've I've very I think I very rarely seen them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought they're mostly uh, relegated to dark. Fair enough, but but I'm saying even prior to AEW because I know like for like yeah. from like time in Mexico and whatnot because Jack Evans wasn't or like wasn't he like part Jack of Jack Evans Teddy is from Hart, uh, him and Teddy Hart were all over Alberta all the time. Yeah. Okay. And that's yeah. So that's that's and then that's, in Mexico. And Angelico really is a South African wrestler, just to, for people who are wanting the confusion. He's a South okay. African wrestler who competes quite a bit in Mexico. Okay, so that's where. So it's uh, overall, I didn't, I didn't mind the match. I mean, and I, I like FTR, and I like their the dedication to tag team wrestling. So I know that mm-hmm. usually there should be a a sound tag team match happen. Um, one thing that kind of just stuck out to me, it seemed like, and this could just be a small nitpicky worker thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seemed like whenever I saw Angelico on camera, there was yeah. like very little to facial expressions. Yes. Yeah. So I don't know if that's, that's just to me. I mean, again, I'm old school to me. That's, you know, yeah. if, he, if he's, I don't know if he's used to wearing a mask or something, then maybe I can understand that you're not used to doing that, but otherwise. No, I think his problem more... is he relies too much on, uh, they have this, they're not showcasing it as much as they should have in this match is that Helico likes to use more of a background based submission stuff. Okay. And then you have the fly, and then he's the setup man for for Evans gotcha. for yeah, high flying. Right. That's how they So he's the utility other. guy, you know. So, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, and okay. but lately they seem to have been trying to push more of him as his unique. Uh, the few times he's been on Dynamite, his unique uh, submission style, and I yeah. think he's a little ill prepared for the spotlight on him. Okay. Yeah, but yeah. overall, good match. I mean, obviously, FTR is going to get the win, and yeah. then they did the, uh, the the setup with the best friends there uh, at the end. Well, we'll get into that. We'll get into that right away. Uh, I did want to point out, and I had written on my notes about this uh, match, uh, what a unique pinning combination. I don't know if you caught that, this weird-ass thing that uh, Jack Evans did from a backslide into a rollover pin. I've never seen that. That that really was like, wow, 
that was pretty cool. You know, he took him into the, the backside, which is like the weak, weakest pin in the world. But after he threw him down, he flipped his body over and held the shoulders and rolled him into a thing. So he was trapped pretty good. That was like one of the moves you shouldn't be able to kick out of. Uh, it was it was pretty neat looking. When I see something that I haven't seen that looks realistic, yeah. it kind of makes me go, whoa, okay. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the one thing I really hated about this, and I wrote this down, is uh, they talked about um, Tony getting super kicked uh, by uh, the Young Bucks. Yeah. And he sold it as, well, I've known them a long time, and you know, I understand they're getting frustrated. <laughs> you know, okay, I get it. Like they just kicked you in the face, idiot. You're an old man. Yeah. But you're gonna just well, they're having a rough time. I, I guess that means they're baby faces because it's okay. Yeah, <laughs> and that's where Jr. was starting to get all mad and say, "Well, maybe these guys need to be pulled off television." Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which, for once, I did thought that was a good thing. Um, now, before we get to the best friends, this is the ridiculous part, the most stupidest part and placement here. Right after the match ends, before the best friends come on. It cuts to the to um, the young bucks, yeah, and uh, they kick a, a cameraman, and then do the money thing. And yeah. once again, you cut back to FTR standing there, going like, "We're out here. Why aren't they coming to fight us?" Yeah, which now it takes them. They're good guys all of a sudden again because they're willing to stand up to fight these guys. Yeah, breaking the psychology right there. Not liking that. And then, of course, the ridiculous uh, weird thing. The hot dogs, the weenies. And it was sad that they actually had to explain to FTR what it meant. <laughs> and that when they got what it meant, then they got mad. <laughs> so so we've learned now that FTR, if psychology-wise, are a bit of cowards because they flinch at things. Yeah. And they're also a bit stupid because they don't get a weenie joke. Dumb. <laughs> Not good. Not good. And at the same time, as much as I, I keep liking the best friends, it's always a step back. The whole t-shirt things that's that's indie that's indie level ridiculousness yeah. it does yeah. not work on the big screen like this you can't take a superpower team like ftr and come out wearing a hot dog shirt it just makes f it makes the best friends look like backyard wrestlers yeah you know but this is where this is where i think it's a i'm trying to think of specific examples we do it but i mean you know when wwe does corny stuff like that mm-hmm. it's usually done and maybe it's just because it's WWE and that's how we're kind of accustomed to, but it's a WWE level thing where yeah. usually something like that, it ends up being presented where it's funny. Yes. This is presented as, like you said, it's like indie riffic. Yeah. And this, maybe this goes back to my thing about where, you know, not having the, the, the con of, of having the boys doing more of the stuff that mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. Yeah, well, no, it's, it's a good point to pick out because there's nothing wrong with doing these things. I mean, these are the kind of things that make, you know, 20 people in the crowd go, yay, you know? Yeah. But it doesn't work to the television. It doesn't work on that low scale. It comes off as cheap. Yeah. And can AEW afford to come off cheap when you're going up against the juggernaut of WWE? I think the last thing you want to do is look like cheap. Yeah. You know? Or second and, rate WWE. Yeah. You know, and and unfortunately, like the best friends have shown up in the skill, they got to drop this ridiculous crap characters they're doing and come across as a, a viable team, like a real team. And they're not. They are looking like backyard guys. They are looking like, oh, the goofy guys who just managed to get in there. Well, it's not true, man, because like Trent Beretta is a damn good wrestler. 
he is talented. Chucky is getting better constantly. They got to shed this thing because no one, they're never going to make, I can guarantee you those guys are never going to win the belt with these characters because even Tony Khan and those guys can read. These aren't the kind of guys who are going to sell t-shirts and become main event guys or bring in crowds. They're just the kind of guys you cheer for on that lower level, but you know, they're not, they're not at the yeah. main table and that, that's all presentation. Um, like I said, good, strong match. Uh, I enjoyed it. Next we go into, and this is, I, I know we're going to, we've already talked ahead of this bit of a disagreement, uh, I think, and of all of us here, uh, the uh, dog collar match. We've got, uh, we've got Cody and his whole entourage come out and he, how is it that his entourage is getting as big as dark quarter <laughs> and then he got Brody Lee coming out with his entourage and uh the beginning of this I I did not like Slow I did love the touch the Greg Valentine thing yeah I, I appreciate nice the touch. nod to that too yeah yeah and the talking about it that was good yes um the whole beginning crap with John Silver um I I, I don't understand yeah. Yeah, it should be going more on clear what trying to do. Yeah, it, it's very confusing. He throws Silver into all this stuff, but then he feels concern for him. And I, it's it's just very all over the place. It, convoluted. It, it's very convoluted. Very confusing. Um, I thought for me, now, of course, this is going to be nothing like Starcade 83 dog color match. Okay? <laughs> None of them have ever come close to that. Yeah. So them reference it and stuff might have not have been a good idea. <laughs> but i appreciate some of the sequences in there i appreciate the uh cody pulling the chain underneath Brody lee and pulling the pull up just like uh, valentine got it from piper um i enjoyed the brutality of it um the, the one the, there part, were a few dumb things the one Sorry. part where the one part where uh, cody had uh really hanging over the over the around the road. ring post right yeah yep. oh, the, oh yeah the, around the ring post was a good one too yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I liked I liked uh, Brody pulling back with the neck and pulling Cody into the ring. That if you watch the first uh, eighty three, they start the match like that. Both of them having it extremely taunt, trying to pull each other with their necks to start the match. You know, yep. some good nod backs. Um, there were parts of it that I was just a little bit like when they were throwing when he was throwing Cody around outside with the chain. I thought was dumb pulling him into the into the ba- into the ringside thing was a little eh. um i really appreciated the look of ddt and him down head first on the the yep. thing and then on it was the a chain. very realistic yeah. blood spot yeah not sure if i like Brody lee smearing cody's blood on himself shit like that kind of grosses me out do we really need this covid days doing this stuff why are we doing this in 2020 <laughs> don't we yeah i'm sorry we, we don't need that um but Overall, uh, like I said, we it was obviously not you're not going to be up in the upper echelons of matches, but I'm going to say this was one of my more enjoyable Cody Rhodes matches. I thought for once he bled without just being an idiot and bleeding for the sake of, oh, look at me. I'm like my dad. I can bleed. Yep, yes. It was uh, it had its place. And I thought it was a solid match. Elio, how did you feel? Yeah, I was I wasn't sure what to expect. Like after last week and the week before with a. Uh, with Bradley running away, running away in the whole build, but uh, it wasn't a bad match for, for me. I enjoyed it. Andy, eviscerate this match for me. <laughs> <laughs> now, obviously, the I know you've got a problem. They had the shittiest build up for this. 
There was no reason for it on the placement of this card, that's for sure. And why was it ever a dog collar match? Never explained, made none. Since neither of them carry around dog chains, have anything to do with dog chains, it's not in either of their histories, it seemed pretty stupid that it became like this. But other than that, tell me your problems with the match. I rest my case. So it, it was the whole build-up parts that killed you? What about the match itself? The match itself, I, I was an okay match. Um, I thought it was an okay match there. You know, it, it, it had some some good spots. But overall, I could not get past the fact that this, because the fact there was no buildup, because the fact this, it wasn't necessary, I want to say like it wasn't necessary. You know, it's not like this when they've been going on for, for, for weeks even or months. And it's not like Brody Lee's running away and, you know, okay, well, you know, how do I keep him in the ring? And, mm-hmm. you know, now we can't do a kid. To me, it's it was the equivalent of going in and doing just just the idea of the match to me was the equivalent of going in and doing 50 high spots and all kinds of flippy stuff with mm-hmm. no purpose no nothing right just just at a, just at a, just with a different um a different method like mm-hmm. i you know like to me if you're gonna, you know, if you're like for them to be using the chain, like it's like okay, well, you know, oh well, okay, from a cerebral sense, this makes this makes sense. It was cool that you know they use the use the chain as a weapon. They used you know the DDT them on it, yeah. But that, but to me, the emotional context, the mm-hmm. the the burning hatred, uh, you know that that you that you that you literally you're attached to somebody by with a chain at your mm-hmm. neck. Like that should just be like knuck and futz, man. Like that's mm-hmm. just, and the fact that that wasn't there, the, the, mm-hmm. you know, everything you already said, mm-hmm. the, the, the buildup's not there. Like it just, to me, it, it just because you can check off some of the boxes and saying, Oh, okay, well, this makes sense. This is what they should be doing in a dollar collar match. This should be to me, it didn't make it a good match. And okay. it just, it, they could have just as soon had a regular. They could have just as soon had like a no disqualification match, mm-hmm. and and gone that route instead of a, a dog collar match, and and to me like that, eh, maybe would have been fine, would have been better. But I, I to me it was a waste of a dog collar match. I think this would have worked better if Cody had suggested and, and challenged for the dog collar match. For the simple fact is until this match came up. You had Brody Lee constantly running away every time that Cody would cop in the ring. He'd just take a powder, wouldn't even try and confront him. So maybe, you know, Cody goads him into it. But then there's the last episode where they had uh, Brody storming out and attacking Cody. And if you watch the pull apart, which, by the way, was probably the shittiest pull apart ever done in wrestling. um, You have the weird context of uh, Brody continually pressing the attack he's supposed to be the coward here not only did he start the attack but three times he continually break free and attack cody does not make sense yeah okay now for me the way this could have made sense is you did not have brody being the aggressor you had him still running away and then you have the fact that cody felt that he needed to get him to stop running away yeah and the fact that he is so embarrassed that he lost in three minutes the first time to lose his belt Maybe that could have been presented and been more believable because as it was now, 
I'm not sure how I feel about Cody winning the belt back. Well, I agree with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I mean, once it's like, okay, who is your, and I'll have to say, and again, <laughs> I have to preface, I feel like I have to preface yeah. so many of my statements. I'm not a big Orange Cassidy guy. Yeah. So to me, the fact that he was the one that came out, mm-hmm. I found very disappointing. Like I, I was hoping for like another, like something, you know, bigger, whether it would have been like a debut, uh, like, man, you know what? Maybe this is where, this is where they could have debuted Miro. Yes. That would have been a good time. You but- know, come, yeah. But, but that, so to, so to me, it's, it's like, I, part of me is like, okay, well, is he a trans, is this like a transitional thing? But if that's the case, like, I hope not for orange Cassidy because I don't think orange Cassidy. Yeah. I, I think the, the think in my ideas here, I think the reason it was orange Cassidy is one, this was uh, it sells how brutal this match was that he wouldn't agree to go into like another, like Lance Archer come running out or something. It'd be like, Holy, you know, I just got the shit beat out of me with a chain. I'm not going to be able to do this. So you needed it to be a face and a face that, Maybe can get a rub, but it's not going to win the belt. There's no way Orange Cassidy wins the belt next week. I, I can't see that. Um, but it gives him a chance to do some of his goofy-ass shit with the premise that Cody's still banged up and beat up, so he's taking some of it. That's fair. That's yeah, what I think. I, I like that logic. You know, although if you wanted to, that would have been hell. That's when they should have had Miro. That's when they should have had Archer. That's when they should have had... Um, Brian Cage, one of those three guys debut that. Yeah. That would have been a great train wreck. Boom. Holy uh, cow. Look who just showed up. I can't believe this. Cody's going to accept. You can't, you know, can't wait. we can't wait till next week to tune in. And you know what makes me just so mad? And I know I should bring him up later. But in the main event, when they cut over to Miro and Kip Sabian, and they're freaking playing video ga- stand-up video games off to the side. And they keep pushing that. Yeah, Miro just loves video games. I mean... Just stop. Just stop. Yeah, this is <laughs> enough's enough. Okay, it's fine you like video games. You know what? I love horror movies. Does that mean I'm going to be on my phone during the main event watching a horror movie off to yeah. the side? I can do that shit when I go home. I'm here to watch wrestling. Come on. Well, hey, I mean, even look at WWE. I mean, guys like AJ Styles or... Uh... Um, Xavier Woods, you know, like, I mean, they're big video game guys, but you don't see yeah. them pushing yeah, that just, or, yeah, you don't see them in the back with a Wii or yeah. <laughs> on their computers yeah. or whatever. That really makes me mad because it just, man, Miro, how can you take a guy that big and that great and you make him just each week, he's just looking like a bigger geek. An ineffectual geek is what he's becoming in our minds. But so. and, and I said that too. I can't remember if I said this on air. If this is something that we we had discussed uh, through like messaging and stuff. But mm-hmm. you know, hey, again, these guys supposedly they all have so much more creative input to what they're doing. So that's a detriment he, right there. Uh, yeah, that is totally a detriment. Um, so yeah, I guess at the end, um, Cody winning surprised me. Do you think this is good, Elio? Was it good to have Cody win here? Does it kill Brody Lee? Um, I mean, he has no one to blame but himself here. I'm gonna say yeah, it was it was okay to have uh, Cody because um, down the road he can just drop the belt. Yeah, but what does this do to Brody because, Lee? Well, Brody, yeah, um, yeah. I know it's hard to see because that uh, we don't know uh, where Dark Order is even gonna be like down the road, if there's still gonna yeah. be a unit. 
Andy, do you think this uh, does this do damage to Brody? I think so, especially mm -hmm. the fact I mean that again, like the story, like I don't know. I mean, it, I'm a grumpy, curmudgeonly old man. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, you know, for someone that you manhandled him the first time, so it's like, okay, well, this was a brutal match, and sure, they went back and forth and gave it their all, but okay, so Cody had time to prepare now or something, and is that like is that the logic you're going to use, or is just he was the better man on this day? Like, was uh, he sleeping the first day? Like, yeah, yeah, like I, you know what, I, I think, you know, I keep playing the Booker in my head, and I think the only way that this could have made Brody lead, the only thing they could have salvaged with the, the tools they had is somehow have Colt Cabana screw something up in the middle yeah. of their match. Yeah. Then Brody can go back and feud with Colt Cabana. He's got a tiny excuse of why he, even if it's not really an excuse, oh, he something. can keep proclaiming that, you know, stupid Colt Cabana cost me this match. You know, yeah. the heel does, as it is, what is he going to say? Oh, uh, I should have got up before the three. Time cost me the match. Nothing else did. Nobody else really. All the crap in the beginning made no uh, impact whatsoever on him. Yeah. So I did. I think it did a bit of disservice to Brody Lee again. I mean, this poor guy is trying really hard, but is he going to end up in the same as Lance Archer, <laughs> Brian Cage, and Miro? You have your three biggest, most impressive-looking wrestlers. Are people nobody buys into anymore? They've just yeah. been they've been jobbed out wrongly. You yeah. know. So that's not cool. That's not cool. Um, uh, they, you know, they had a little interview with Cody, Tony Schiavone gets in there, which is blah, blah, blah. How about the interview with, uh, uh, with, uh, Kenny Omega? What did you guys, did you get anything out of that? Uh, what do I remember from that? For me, I, I oh, sorry. Oh, no, 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 please go ahead. Cause I think I, I bet you, cause just from our earlier discussion, I think we're along the same lines with Kenny. So if you go ahead, yeah. I'm probably going to be, I'm probably going to end up agreeing with you. I think he ended up, it was nice that he started saying how great this tournament was. And he was very quick to point out all the contenders, including that tag team guy, Adam Page. Boom. Yeah. Right there drops yeah. the hammer on his uh, former partner. Uh, yeah, yeah. That was effective. And that's a good seed to start building dissension. You know, um, I know Elio had talked earlier in the last segment about uh, getting them to the finals and facing each other. But I think character development wise, which sometimes AEW does work on, I think it's too quick to go from the drinking kind of drunk guy who feels sorry for himself in two weeks to being mad and ready to fight back. I think he needs to fall a little more and find a little levity before he starts his ascension up. And uh, I think this is the first one is finally, finally Kenny Omega has gotten a bit of a spit in his face here. Oh, the tag team guy, Adam Page. Adam Page was never a tag team guy until he hung out with Kenny. So for him, for Kenny to say that is a total insult. It's totally saying that Adam Page is no good without Kenny Omega. And that I liked. I thought at least that was effective. But man, I sure wish Kenny would dress a little better. <laughs> still, but maybe it's coming. Maybe that's the whole part of it. I'm hoping that this is the turnaround, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and I'm still pushing four horsemen in the end. I like it. I like your booking with that. Uh, next up, okay, this is going to break both our hearts. Uh, man, poor Serena Deeb. Big Swole versus Serena Deeb. Uh, Serena Deeb is such a solid, good, believable wrestler. They didn't yeah. even give her an entrance. 
She's yeah. standing in the ring while Big Swole's dancing around, looking like an idiot. Um, and I gotta say, man, this was some sloppy shit. And uh, like Big this. Swole, it's like Big Swole is, it's like if me and Andy went into a match and we said, okay, Andy, we're gonna set our computer bodies at the speed of one. <laughs> the Big Swole decided she's gonna set her speed at 1.5. So that every time Andy and me actually collide, it's not right because yeah. our timing is way off. Yeah. That lady knows nothing about timing. Man, this was some sloppy shit. Andy, tell the stuff you saw in here. Uh, well, for me, what I found very noticeable, for the, especially for the first part of the match, is that uh, Big Swole seemed to be distracted with either the hard camera or someone right around the hard camera because if you go back and watch, you can see like she deliberately keeps looking – at the camera, she's like looking and kind of like looking, and it's. So Is she know, trying to sell personality? Yeah. <laughs> well, not even like it's like it's like I don't know if she's trying to get signals or something from somebody. Oh. Like it just it seemed I I don't know what it was, but if you yeah. go back, like you'll see. Exactly but it was noticeable enough to be annoying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and just and, and Serena's work just looked so much more solid and crisp. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it just it really stood out to me, and that's I that was just kind of the the theme of the match where. Like you said, like Swole, she was like kind of like a step behind or something, and just, uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, kind of felt bad for Serena Deeb. I'm gonna give two examples of uh, one that made it look okay and one that was atrocious. Okay, the one that made it okay was uh, Serena's in the corner. Big Swole goes running for some reason. Instead of running into Serena, she runs into the ropes. Oh, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so Serena turns around to clothesline her, but because she's moving so fast, she ends up kind of shoulder-blocking clotheslining her, which actually looked much more painful than a clothesline yeah. would look. Yeah, yeah. It looked pretty solid. The look on Serena's face was like, oh, yay. Yeah, um, she might have kind of knocked her for a bit of a loop there. Yeah. Uh, the second move, which was way too fast again, Swole coming in, she decides she's going to do a, uh, uh, a Tornado DDT. And she comes and she pushes herself off the rope, but she pushes herself so fast when they both come down, even the announcers didn't know who to sell, who took the actual bump. It took Excalibur a few seconds for her to finally get up and go, oh, and Swole takes, you know, and then I rewound it and I was like, yeah, when you watch it, you have no idea who actually took the bump there. They both go down at the same time, the same impact, the same thing. Neither of them react like one was hurt and one wasn't. So you're like, ah, uh, okay, that yeah. was sloppy. But it's addictive of the whole match. Every time you had Serena, when she did her moves, were right on and they were crisp when she slowed down Swole and did her stuff. But when Swole was doing her stuff, it was just too fast, too sloppy, and too loose. It just came across like she was basically like throwing herself into Serena, yeah. hoping that she'd knock her down. Did not look good. No, she seemed very distracted, just off. Yeah, and uh, I, I, uh, I've, I've not been the biggest Big Swole fan, and this is why. It has nothing to do with the fact, except they're pushing somebody who I don't think is ready. I mean, seriously, they should be pushing Serena Deeb if you're going to push out of these two, yeah. because at least she knows how to, to work and how to sell. Yeah, and that's well, Big Swole does. Her it. work is better, and that's yeah. even right at the end of the match, like. To, as you know as she's hitting you know she's hitting the ropes boom she hits her she hits her again and, and in my head i'm like oh no don't tell me they're putting her over <laughs> <laughs> well here here's a great example of going too fast did you catch 
uh, just before the last move, okay, which actually her last two moves looked okay. But the, before that setup, uh, Big Swole spins around to do her roaring elbow, but she goes so fast that Serena isn't there yet. Yeah. So she stops and holds it back and lets Serena hit her instead of going forward and hitting her or whatever. She yeah. actually did the full rotation of the move and then stood there like an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, then they sold that. it later, right? Yeah. So yeah, just um, Big Swole. You know what? She has a cool look. She's definitely got a cool build. But man, she has got to work on that wrestling. You can't push her until she's ready. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to like, when you say she's got a cool build, like to me, like looking at her, like even there's at one point kind of like, like face to face with Serena, like I was kind of like, like the arms and the shoulders. Yeah. She didn't look that much more swole than Serena. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry. Like it's, it's, you know, if, if you were calling big E like big swole or something, yeah. that's believable. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but for her, like, sorry, I nah, didn't see it no. this week. Yeah. No. Nah. All right, uh, let's now move on to uh, John Moxley. Interview John Moxley sitting at a bar. Andy, before I say my piece on it, what did you get out of that? Did, did it work for you? Did it not work for you? What was your feelings on it? Uh, yet again, Andy has to preface. Uh, you know, I, 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 it's not that I dislike Mox, Moxley. Uh, I just, I just, I don't know. I don't have the full buy-in that most people seem to have with him. Okay. Um, overall, I thought the promo was good. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, though, the fact that he was doing it at a bar mm-hmm. with a shot in front of him, it's like, isn't that kind of like the cowboy guy that likes to drink? <laughs> I did not bring that connection. Thank you. Yes, so, you're right, though. To me, that is kind of like, uh, you know, like I like a lot of the other stuff where they show him on location. Like I'm assuming because if you know if they if, if him and Renee if they live in Vegas if they're filming stuff around there or something. I mean, there's probably lots the of great looking stuff. thing. Yeah, yeah I, I like that stuff. I, I like I like the I like the kind of the different backgrounds for that. But mm-hmm. just yeah, like to me, the bar was 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 a you know you already got somebody doing that gimmick. That'd be like you know back in the day if you're doing something and meanwhile you got the APA. It's like. Mm-hmm. Wasn't that yeah. somebody else's gimmick? So yeah, okay. I that was the thing I didn't like was was the setup and the location of that. Yeah, so at the um, end, yeah, so at the Lance Sorry. Archer, yeah, so at the Lance Archer promo earlier. We missed the Lance Archer one. Okay, yeah. we'll talk about that one next. Sorry. Okay, um, I'm gonna say this is like um I only liked it for the sense that uh it de-emphasized the actual drinking part because he didn't actually drink anything till the end. Uh he wasn't loopy like unfortunately Adam Page pretends to get which annoys me. Um, what I liked about it is Moxley's a big dude, actually, uh, especially in AEW. He does, you know, except for maybe some of the guys like Archer and that, he's actually quite a large man. And I like the fact what worked for me here is he managed to be aggressive and threatening without being the fake tough guy. When he said, oh, hey, remember, you know, maybe it'll be you, maybe it'll be me, flips the coin. Um, to me, that is a cool thing because here's a guy going into a fight. He's not 100% sure he's going to win. But he's enough to know, you know what? Goddamn, we'll fight. Maybe I'll win. Maybe I won't. But, yeah, man, I'm yeah. showing up and I'm throwing fists. Yeah, I like that. Um, I liked that he used Archer's line. But he didn't use it goofily. And he didn't rip it off the same way. 
he presented it in a way that almost made you think, wow, if he beats Archer, he's going to make him eat his words. You know, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Everybody, yeah. you know, like I liked it. I liked it in that sense. Yeah, I could see the thing. I didn't even think of the Adam Page thing, location. but you're right. It does have uh, that kind of weird location vibe to it. Gimmick infringement. Gimmick infringement. Um, but for me, it uh, it just made me believe that Moxley was a tough guy, that he was a guy willing to throw down and fight no matter what. And uh, sometimes that works for him. There are other times it doesn't. Um, bringing a baseball bat wrapped in barbed wire does not make him a tough guy. <laughs> that kind of de-emphasized de it for me. Uh, let's talk Lance Archer. What do you think of that Lance Archer bit? Do you remember it? <laughs> or is I, it that I, I'm, I'm trying to think. I'm, yeah. I just remember him coming out being finally talking clear, talking like a real guy, not just he, grunting. And he, he brought, he, he brought up their uh, he brought up their NJPW history and that. Uh, They've already uh, been in the ring together, mm-hmm. and like, which is uh, unusual for a wrestling company. Yeah, and then, yeah. like he said, like he's not like anyone else that Moxley's ever faced before. I thought it was. I found it effective it was, for once. Yeah. Once again, Archer portraying that he's a tough guy without the over theatrical stuff that takes away from it. Big guys can be tough when they say things, but when they're doing ridiculous actions yeah. and the fake accents and the stuff, if it doesn't fit who you are, it can come off as ridiculous. I like his outdoor locations a lot better than when he does the in-ring promos. Yes, and I do not... I Don't even get me started on that. I hated the thing, the outdoor thing he did, remember, with all these like backyard wrestling yeah, things. Uh, it just came off oh, as yeah, so yeah. full. Yeah. You know? Um, I think he needs to stay away from that junk, you know? Yeah. Yep. And I I really can't handle his ridiculous hair. <laughs> it's just not, it's not cool. I know he's trying to do it to stand out or something. Yeah. But it's almost like, uh, uh, it's almost like gone beyond cartoon. It's almost bordering on weird effeminate, you know? And it's well, just like, It's almost like the, the who is the, the girl, uh, uh, who's the girl in WWE with the long Bella Belair? Oh, Bianca Belair. It's 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 something, and I'm not I'm not thinking it's good for him. I'm not thinking it's good for him. Uh, do you, did anything stick out in that promo for you, Andy, or is it just really? Not you know right? what? I I honestly I think I may have stepped away, and maybe I just came in at the tail end of it. Okay, that's, that's why you, you're like, oh, like the Archer promo. I'm like, when you say like, do you remember it? I'm like, I. <laughs> okay, now. The last main event, and this is why we started the show a little bit late, and I want to apologize to you guys. My uh, my show was PVRing it while it was going live, and when it cut to the main event, it stopped. Oh, like the whole thing. I had to re-turn it on, and then the first time I checked it, it didn't have the match, and I was already had started 15 minutes late, so I'm, ah. Yeah. And then I turned it off again, and it came on, and it was where it was, and I could rewind and watch it. So oh, it held me up by like 20 minutes after than when I should have been on. Um, but I kind of wish I'd had that 20 minutes back because <laughs> what a stinky, stinky main event. This Chris is Jericho, good. Jake Hager versus Luther and Serpentico. Chaos First or things off. I'm called. I don't know. Yeah, t- uh, Project Chaos. Project Chaos or Chaos okay. Project, something like that. Chris Jericho was in a lot of this match. 
Jake yep. Hager was barely in this match, which I don't understand. He's a big guy, he, but it seems like he's barely in any matches anymore. Have you noticed that? I think yeah. it's because he's still competing for MMA. He tries not to actually really minimize what he's. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Luther and. <laughs> okay. Luther. I get why he's on AEW dark and not on the main roster. I wanted to like this guy. He's an Albertan dude. He's yeah. a longtime wrestler. I wanted him to really show me that maybe he's not spectacular, but he's a solid veteran. But boy, man, he was big, swole, sloppy tonight. Uh, his, his, oh, Jesus, where do you even start with this guy? The first time he climbed up to the ropes to do his little cannonball, he literally looked like he was going to fall backwards in, like he yeah. was terrified to get up there. And I think maybe Brandy Rhodes is teaching him how to fall off the ropes because that's what it was. It was a fall with a tiny little twirl in it. He literally went up uh, and just flopped. I think that second uh, one where he was on the top rope, it looked like he was, uh, Jericho was going to flip him off the top rope, but he went through the bulldog on Jericho. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That wasn't like the the original intent. Yeah. Yeah. And then what you said, uh, Andy, and you caught it, and I was just as I was going to bring it up, you brought it up too. It's kind of sad when you fall off the ring apron and you can't go around the ring post. Yeah, and they have to cover by saying you're unorthodox footwear. (laughs) He did not look good in this match at all. I'm sorry. Uh, And, okay, Serpentico, what is this guy, like five feet tall? He is the skinniest, smallest little... Was this guy in MLW? I don't remember him. Uh, he's Puerto right. Rican. I mean, they talked about him being they Puerto Rican. He was Puerto Rican, but Except because he didn't I did. look Puerto I, I Rican. Think, uh, it surprised me. I thought he was a little white guy who I was think, in there. Remember when the Dynasty produced one of the shows and they had little things written under the name? Not a real dragon. Oh, maybe it was him. Yeah. That's how unmemorable he was. <laughs> uh, wow, this guy is tiny. Everything he does does not look like it hurts. Uh, the only he did do one cool move where he came where Luther held uh, Jericho up and he came off knees first onto onto Jericho's chest. That looked kind of cool, but how can that not look cool? If you stay on, it looks like you're like murdering a man's chest, no matter yeah. how big he is. But man, some people want to call them unorthodox. I call them bottom of AEW dark. They're, they were Project Chaos did not look good here. And I get it. I get that Chris Jericho and him are, I think he was one of the first people that Jericho ever faced. Something like and, that, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so it was a nice, you know, shout out. I'm sure if, uh, I'm sure if the pandemic wasn't on, it, it probably could have been Lance. And that would have made a little more sense. Like I said, though, if there, if there's no pandemic, Lance is probably still be with WWE, though. So it probably still wouldn't have happened. Yeah, still wouldn't have happened. Um, but yeah, I'm going to let you talk about this match because I want to say better. And let's let's not get into the end part. Let's just talk about the match yeah. right now. And tell me what you what you got out of this, Andy. Uh, my whole thing was well, it's funny. Like, overall, my thing was was like, okay, this is just Jericho is is sharing the moment. Yeah. And you know, and that and that's and, a cool thing. And, and that's cool, and I love it, and I respect it for that. And that's the only. That's probably the only kind of saving grace that I'll, I'll give to this was just because, you know, he's given the nod, given the, you know, sharing the spotlight, sharing the stage. Um, yeah, not, not the best match, not the greatest. Um, 
you know, you got to see Jericho do some of his stuff. He still bumped and sold. I, um, honestly, it, it, all sloppiness and everything aside, mm-hmm. just because this was this was the one thing, and I may be in the you know small small minority in here. Um, just because it was Jericho, it was his moment. He's sharing it. There was a small part of me that thought that that actually thought maybe they would maybe he would lose this match. I kind of thought that too. Which, which to me, at least for my own my own enjoyment entertainment, mm-hmm. because I had that thought in my head, I was curious to see how the match was going to end, how it was going to play out. Because it was like, okay, well, you know, obviously he's he's sharing the spotlight, he's giving this moment. Maybe he's going to you know kind of do a little bit of business and kind of you know give him this one. You know, it's a sneaky one. Maybe it's something. Or uh, you know, we talked about last week about maybe this is where. Um, uh, the so guys were gonna, you know, gonna dump on Jericho and bring in MJF. So maybe that, you know, with the loss. So for me, it's like, okay, well, I'm, I'm genuinely invested in this match, no matter how it's, sure. how it's, how it's looking, because I want to see what's going to happen at the finish. Is, is Jericho, you know, are they going to win? Are they going to lose? If they lose, is something going to, something going to give? And then the end was a fart in church. <laughs> uh, you know what? It, <laughs> Are, are we are we gonna are we gonna talk? You want to start talking about the end or like? I, that... I meant the, the end of this match first of all. Oh, okay. I meant just no, the end well, of the match was a deflating just, bag. It just it, yeah, it was it was whatever. It was it was it was the elbow or whatever, and and that was fine. And that was Jericho gets to win on his thirtieth anniversary. Yay! Mm-hmm. And like you said, the whole time I was waiting for MJF to come out there, cause him this thing, and then the whole turn. But yeah. let's get into that because MJF did come down. Yeah. Uh, while he's celebrating. Um, why do they do dumb shit like this the picture thing it's just always so dumb the he brings out a clown what did he call that clown um uh, clownical yeah and so clownical has a gift and the gift of course ella rock giving farouk a picture of him. himself yeah it, it turns out that it's a picture of mjf uh, and uh, Jericho nails the old clownicle with pretty solid looking elbow, which was yeah. nice. Looked like he took yeah. that dude's yeah. head right off. Then yeah. starts getting face to face with uh, MJF. Then they both laugh. Pretend <laughs> it was a joke. Oh. I wanted this to be the thing. And maybe, you know what? I'm still holding out. Maybe next week they do it, but it's yeah. coming. Well, MJF, MJF is- said he has an announcement next week. Yeah, a career career defining or career changing announcement or something. Yeah, yeah. so that it, it could still be it, but yeah, like it uh, to me, that was almost the, the the slap in the face. That's like, well, maybe because we were expecting it, it's like, ah, we got gotcha. you. You know, yeah. not this week. That's kind of how that felt to me. Was you thought this was going to happen, but you know, especially because they do the thing with the clown and the clown is stupid and yeah. this and that and. Oh, 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 ah, nah, 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 ah. <laughs> but there was still two more laughs to come. The first laugh, everyone gets in the ring, all the bad, bad guys come out and they're celebrating. And boy, did that not look like the end of Saturday Night Live to you guys? Because that's how uh, every Saturday. Oh. Absolutely, and that's and that's and that's like that's what I was gonna get to because that's what I thought yeah. it was to me. And I, you know, with the credits rolling and everything, was Chris Jericho. I, I love that. And that's, I, I that didn't know cool. he was that talented. Directed by Chris Jericho, edited hey, by Chris, he's Chris eight Jericho. Of the <laughs> he was eight yeah. of the cameraman. And, and, and that and that's where you know, like, 
you know, at the start here, we kind of talked about Jericho and 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 the, the comedy and sometimes pushing stuff too far, which you know I, I agree with you. But mm-hmm. at times, then you get like the things like this, and I mean, again, this that was awesome. Get, that was not I loved too it far. because yeah, yeah, it was totally. That's what totally was to me was Saturday Night Live while yeah. the credits were rolling yeah. and stuff, and they even had the horrible music, the Saturday yep, Night Live music yep. in the background, and, then, and Sammy still had signs there, and he was kind of doing like I mean, I get to see this, but I saw that he had them, yeah. and so I got I got a kick out of that, and like to me like. I yeah that was cool I was okay with that I think it it kind of saved the whole segment the end part it it, it I think it like I said it was like a deflating bag the match itself uh the Jericho MJF stuff is uh and here's the thing right we <laughs> I guess sometimes we can be hypocrites because we always say oh man everything happens too fast and here, the but here we are going get it done <laughs> Yeah. Oh no. But see, I'm not even to me. I'm not even saying getting done. It was just we thought oh, it was going to happen. Okay. See, I, I, that's not even like to me. It was like, you know, like I, we like you know we kind of agreed. Like I yeah. thought we thought that was going to happen. And like I said, maybe it will next week. I'm not upset at the fact that it didn't happen. I just but to me like what they did was kind of like the, you know, like screw you, smart fans. You thought yeah. this was going to happen here. Nah. Tune in next week. Okay. <laughs> well. Uh, overall, let's give the report card on today's show. Uh, Elio, on your report card from A to F, okay, I'm gonna, what are you going to read to the show? I'm going to go everything with a B. It wasn't that bad of a show. Like, that ending, the ending was saved at the main event for me with okay. the, what we just talked about. Andy? I'm going to say I'm, I'm torn between c plus and b minus but i'll i'll go uh b minus okay and you know what i'm going to agree because i sit in my head i'm going to go b minus it wasn't quite strong enough to be a b for me especially since yeah. we explained how aew got a b this year yeah um yeah. it was it had some good stuff in it but it also had some atrocious stuff that brought it down yeah. and it had a flat main event that's the yeah. for me that's the most unforgivable part of of wrestling is Sure, there can be lots of garbage and stuff, and maybe you could even save some stuff at the end with the funny stuff at the end, but not having a strong main event when you have such great wrestlers on your card, kind of a suck. People come to see wrestling, yeah. and uh, that's what we tune in for, you know. So for me, yeah, I'm gonna give it a gonna give it a B minus also. And my thing to that because I, and I agree with you because that's one of the things to me is you know a show can be the the pits. But mm-hmm. at least if you're semi-main and main or if your main event are good, people most yeah. likely are going to remember that and be they'll yeah. forget everything else and be like, okay, this was cool. So, like you said, it, it, the, the ending of the match is kind of eh. For us, the comedy, because we, we get the humor, we appreciate it, because I'm sure that's what it was, was the, like yeah. the Saturday Night Live type of shit. Um, it was funny. But as on the one hand, okay, this is Jericho's thing, sure. But next week is the your one year anniversary show. There was nothing at the end there that makes me go, "Oh man, like I gotta for sure gotta tune in because I want to see the the dog collar match between Cody Rhodes, and, which should have oh, been next week. Wait, you know, or I want to see this and this and that. Like there is like, yeah, there there's nothing from the end of that that left me. You know, I mean, and I just and I just said about the whole thing about MJF and the inner circle and all that. Oh, like, you know. The, Regardless, because we're going to tune in regardless, yeah. but it wasn't like me like chomping at the bit going, oh, okay, well, what's going to happen next week? Or man, like this anniversary show is going to be awesome. It's just. Yeah, as it is, I can tell that when we get off the air, we're not even going to speculate about the anniversary show because yeah. there really isn't much to speculate about. 
And that's not cool when it's your one year anniversary. You should have made that something a little more special. Yep. All right, fans. Well, that is our edition of WPOV Global. Uh, we had a fun time. Uh, Andy, thank you for coming on and giving insight. Thank you for having me as always. Appreciate being here. And Elio, did you know that we sell t-shirts? I knew that. Of course you do. You got them all. I have them all. I bought and them all. Fans, you can get a t-shirt at uh, prowrestlingtees.com backslash WPOV wrestling, where there are four different designs available. Um, rumor has it that Rick Serrano III is working on an Andy Anderson uh, t-shirt someday down the road <laughs> to help him out. I've seen it, the idea. I, uh, I but, see, I've seen it too. <laughs> he, said he, he said he made you laugh, that you enjoyed it. Yes, yes. Okay. Um, so, fans, you can get t-shirts. There's four different uh, kinds. Three of them are dedicated to WPOV wrestling. And I also heard that someday down the line we might get a quarantine one which I think it would be really cool if you've seen the, 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 the bars and maybe have our faces and the symbol. Yeah. That would be kind of cool. Um, so these T-shirts are 1995, uh, four different kinds, including one global one, which is our gold. I love our gold, uh, the global thing. Uh, I know the guys at POV are, are dedicated to their logo. I love the gold one. And uh, it's, it's pretty cool. You get a T-shirt with that on it. It's a white T-shirt. It says legend with an arrow pointing up. It says uh, gentleman with an arrow pointing down. You figure out what that means. I'm not sure. <laughs> Rick designed it. It's, it's kind of weird, but hey, whatever. That's his choice. Um, <laughs> all the money raised from these T-shirts uh, go towards this show, funding it and helping us on other platforms, helping us produce and get these things out there. So fans, buy a T-shirt. Support your local show. And... Uh, Tune in next week. Don't just support your local show. Support. Don't just support your local show. Support your global show. Oh, my Lord. He's going to replace me next week. You're welcome. <laughs> Fans, tune in next week where we're going to have our 100th episode. I promise you there's going to be some crazy things. Um, hopefully we can drag Andy out of mothballs. I'm going to see if maybe we can drag uh, Raven onto the show uh, for a oh. little bit of interaction. Oh. And I do know that we're probably going to get an appearance by Rick and uh, Tony. Excellent. And Miguel. Probably you the, know what? the best puppet ever. I, I think, I just forgot about it until now. Tony and Rick Serrano III are WPOV's natural disasters. <laughs> uh, insert insulting joke about Tony's weight here. Ah, anyhow. <laughs> I just, I just, I thought about it earlier, and I forgot all about it till now. It just was like tag teams and stuff, and it was like, there we go, WPOV's natural disasters. That would make us the three of us. We are definitely the palest new day. You have ever seen. Andy is the big E. It. He's the big, e. the big E. Um, the big A. The big A. Elio, I'm gonna have to go with you're like the Xavier Woods man. Yeah, Elio Woods. Yeah. And even though I'm probably the least athletic man in the world and probably could never walk on my hands, I can fake a Jamaican accent better than any Ghanaian ever. <laughs> Anyhow. <laughs> hey, James Kingston. Don't be making fun of me, man. All right. <laughs> Folks, tune in next week. We want to thank you for uh, joining us. Want to spend all our love out to all you people still. We know this damn quarantine stuff is still going, these isolation, this. COVID garbage is still going on. All I can say is wash your hands. Be a good Canadian, even if you're an American. Throw a mask on. Just be nice to the next person. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, you know, 
support each other support support whatever you can because this is be good of, to each other be good to each other it's the canadian way eh? all right elio say good night to the good people fans who talk to y'all next week